What's up? What's up? Hey guys, me, Kara Burrell, the new one. So here on the Mormon History Hoedown for a special edition of where I talk about what's going on. What's up? Um, I don't know what I'm going to end up having the finished title of this video be. Right now it's something like live, laugh, leaving. That's why I got to go. And I wish there was a way to just insert a meme of Gabriella and Troy and that whole situation. <laughs> But um, I want to first start off by saying everything is good. Everything is, by me making this video, you know that things are actually going really good. So I have been putting down a bunch of thoughts um, very tangentially over the last couple of days. So uh, if this, if you're new to my channel and you don't know who I am. Hi, my name is Kara Burrell and I make ex-women content and I have a comedy satire background and I used to work at Mormon Stories. And I started a nonprofit a few months ago, and I love podcasting and trying to be useful and funny and resourceful in the sex Mormon space. So that's why I set up my nonprofit and my podcast to set things and going to the future. That's why I say that it's good that I'm making this episode right now, um, because I want to let you guys know about why I will be leaving and what I have coming up for you guys. So thank you guys for joining me in the live stream right now. You guys are all so nice. Um, I will not beg for super chats or anything, but you can leave them <laughs> if you want to. And as I go throughout this, I'm going to be bouncing around to so many different things. I cannot wait to see if my brain can take the 40 slides that I have prepared. <laughs> Literally have 40 slides I'm going to show you because there's just a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about and go through. A bunch of stuff that's been happening in my life. Um, so many things that we can go through John Larson, um, just quit his gig with Mormon stories. That means that I don't have any kind of contract or anything like that working there. There's been some controversies that I've been involved in. I've been a, called a bully lately. I had a, um, interview with Quaku that's supposed to happen yesterday and that we'll see if that happens. Been a lot of stuff with Tim Ballard has been going on a lot of stuff with Jen camp and the Mormon stories lawsuit over there. And, um, told everyone that I have some bisexuality on Instagram. There's a million things that I want to get into today. The Charlie bird thing, so on and so forth. But the first main thing I'm going to jump off with, um, I'm not very good at being a YouTuber business wise. No, <laughs> that too. Um, I don't want to bury the lead. So I'll get to where I'm going and how I'm going to be taking a break and why I'm going to be doing that. And I just, I'm going to be around talking until you guys tell me to shut up and I will go for as long as I feel is necessary. Kara, knowing you three hours, maybe we'll see. I don't know. So I, when I was 19, I worked at a summer camp called Camper Macca in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. And I feel like I'm a born camp counselor and I love everything. The, the type of camps that I'm talking about are like seven week long sleepaway camps. For usually very rich, rich East Coast children, if you guys know anything about like summer camp culture, it's its own thing with <laughs> these, some of these summer camps have existed for like a hundred years. So I fell in love with the summer camp that I worked at when I was 19. I was Mormon when I went, was not very good at staying Mormon for the summer, but like I learned a lot of life lessons, um, but made some incredible friends and really loved everything about the activities and the traditions and the outdoors. And it's such a cool place to kind of grow up for people's childhood. And I loved being a counselor there when I was 19. And when I got back, it was really heartbreaking that I fell madly in love with my husband. It was such a bummer. So 
I have always kind of had it in the back of my mind and in my heart that when my kids are old enough that I wanted to find a camp that I could work at. And that's what I'm doing. So over Christmas break, um, I found a camp in a similar area in the Berkshires, not the same camp that I worked at. This one's a co-ed camp. And I will be um, a type of administrator over the um, ages like seven through 10 years old over the counselors and the children and helping to schedule. I always love talking well, the way that people talk about like their mission, you know, like all oh, my mission. I'm one of those girls who's like at summer camp, but without the American Pie references, sans those. Um, I just had a lot of really, I would love to just make one podcast about everything that my Mormon little mind went through <laughs> in um, this summer camp environment with very non-Mormon people and what I learned about myself and the church and how I relate to sin and shame. Um, I've told, talked about it a little bit in my, um, my interview to myself on the, the first episode that I did on my channel about why I left the church. Um, the whole summer camp portion was a, a really interesting thing. And then I married my husband in the temple and went right back to the church. But for, for this summer, I'm going to be leaving. And um, like I said, it's a good reason that I'm making this video now because I just wanted to let you guys know um, that uh, uh, I'm going to be changing a little bit of the ways that I do my content in the next few months. And then I'm going to go absolutely MIA. I thought about it. I thought about it really hard how much I want to still you know, participate in producing podcasts. Like, could I, could I bank a bunch and then just kind of release them? And, um, my, I started my nonprofit with a lot of help from my sister and she, my sister Allison's amazing. So I was like, could I, could I hand something over to somebody else? They could run my channel. I could have all the episodes ready and they could put them up. And, um, I did a lot of pondering over the last couple months and I think it's really going to just be good for me if I just go really MIA and delete all social media. I won't really have like I can only use my phone at camp. I'll have my own apartment because I'm an administrator on the campus. Your girl, your girl's moving up in the world. And, um, but truly I think it'll just be fun to just not have any social media or anything and be out of this bubble for a while and go just up into the forest of the Berkshires. So I don't feel like I can say what camp I'm working at because I just want to make sure that nobody, um, I, I, even if I have like a 1% chance of like anyone finding the camp and like harassing them, that's like a Mormon for hiring me. That's like a small fear that I have. So I don't want to talk about um, that, but my girls are, there's seven going on eight. So they'll be, they'll be eight and nine going to camp. So they'll be first years at this camp and um, they're super, super excited. And part of the reason why I want to make sure that I'm making this video now is because for one, I am. Um, when I left Mormon stories, I did so really, really suddenly, like even to myself, like I did not know that I wanted to quit <laughs> until I was sitting in the Rod Meldrum interview. And again, I've said this before, a lot of people misunderstand that they thought it had something to do with like, can't believe John brought on Mel Rod Meldrum or something like that. It didn't have to do with that at all. Um, if I'm looking down, it's because I'm reading the comments while talking to you, but um, it was, it was a combination of a lot of things, but mostly that I know when my kids are you know, missing me and when I'm giving them my best and I'm not really good. Maybe it's an ADHD thing. I don't know, but I'm just really not good at dividing up my attention and, and context switching. So like if I want to work, I can work really hard and focus on that. If I want to be a mom and, you know, put away the laundry, make dinner, spend time with my kids. I, I have a hard time, um, 
uh, you know, dividing up my time like that. And so I knew that when I was working on Mormon stories that like my kids and my husband as a stay at home dad, they were not thriving. And, um, I never want to be so lost in like this ex Mormon cause or whatever that I'm sacrificing too much for my family where I look back and I was like, mm. so when push comes to shove, I sometimes in life, you know, things just like hit you in the face that it's when it's time to go, it's time to go. And that was kind of my exit from Mormon stories. It's, it's a lot longer than that, but that's, that's the summation of it. And so, um, since last June though, I'll get into the story a little bit more, but just since last June, I think I took off like maybe the entire month of June. Um, if you guys remember, I talked a little bit about like if me and Aaron were maybe going to get a divorce and we, there was, there was a good two weeks in May that we were definitely going to get a divorce, but it was only two weeks, but it was, it was pretty sure. And then, um, some events, some things that changed a lot of paradigms in our lives changed, um, at the beginning of June. And then, uh, we had a lot of time where we just needed to, I need, I needed to take a break from anything YouTube related. I had just gotten, I had just started my nonprofit. Then I just like filed for all of the paperwork and everything. But I was like, okay, I will launch this in a couple months. I need to take off some time. I just want to, you know, work on my marriage and um, spend time with my kids over the summer. And so I feel like I stepped back quite a, a good amount over the summer. And then I realized that, um, you know, when you're you're consciously choosing something, when you have enough space from it. And so consciously feeling like I was stepping back into it and how I wanted to exist in the sex Mormon space and starting my nonprofit with a lot of encouragement from not just donors and viewers and everything, but people like John Delin and Bill Real and so forth was really, was really great. And so I want to talk about that more. I'm already making this intro 10 minutes long. <laughs> Kara, this is just the intro. Basically my first slide, hold on, I'll get to that. Cause this is the first slide that I wanted to show. So when I left Mormon stories and I made like a 15 minute vertical video where I was just like, so I left Mormon stories. I don't remember a lot of what I said, but I talked about how I just had some kind of panic attack. The Rod Meldrum thing was just way too emotional. And I was just like, it's time to go. I had to go on the Bill Real RFM um, Mormonism live show. And then I remember crying at the end, talking about just what I was really going to miss. Cause you know, it's like therapy talking to the camera sometimes. And I was like, as I'm saying it out loud, I was like, damn, like the thing that I'm going to miss so much is meeting so many amazing people. And like, that's what always gets me choked up. Even when I don't expect it, even when I'm on live streams on February 27th, 2024, do I start to think about how lucky I am to get to do this job and how much I, I like hold people's stories, like so tender and close to my heart. And, um, I was really going to miss that about Mormon stories. And, um, I have to balance like how much I I'm like curious and I want to learn and I want to help share stories and I want to make people laugh and I want to be of use of value in this like Mormon space, but not at a cost where I, I know the difference when, when I'm like, well, I'm, I'm spending too much time over here. And I know that my kids and, you know, my daughter, um, was diagnosed with autism and that's like the least of <laughs> That's like the least of her diagnoses though, um, recently, um, over the last year. So 2022 to 2023, getting her diagnosed and just a lot of stuff, um, that, that my kids need their mama for. So, um, but as I made that video, <laughs> I thought it was so funny cause I got this comment. This is only just a couple months ago. I'm making a video. It's only 15 minutes long. The other one on Warren stories. And I got this comment that says after four minutes, all I hear is I, I, me, me, me. And 
I don't <laughs> want to be too much of a bitch. But I'm like, whose story is it? Me telling my story. All I hear is you telling your story. Like it's okay. So that's a, this is, if you are already like, Kara, you're, you know, 12 minutes in and all you're doing is talking about yourself. Yeah. We're going to be talking about me today. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff related to this ex-Mormon space that I'm in and just a lot of stuff that's been going on in my life and a personal update of sorts. And I, I personally, I love when my content creators um, tell me how they're doing in life. Um, so, you know, John Larson just left, like I said, um, he said he's letting go of Mormonism altogether. And we ended our series that we've been doing for the last couple of years with Mormon stories. And he's getting rid of his books and he's, he's exiting um, fully from this ex-Mormon space. And I, I loved his video and I want to talk about a couple of the aspects he brings up in a second. Um, but if you are not interested in this, I'm not putting a gun to your head. You don't have to listen to it. So I just wanted to make this for people who are interested in, um, my life, my thoughts. Um, I could talk about, I, I mean, I think about how I relate to my job constantly. And so it's kind of funny to bring any viewer who wants to see like into my world <laughs> where I will just talk until somebody tells me to shut up. I was so excited when I got uh, interviewing with this camp in Massachusetts and just fell in love with the the, the owners. They just seem fantastic. And um, it's really important to have people that you that you work for, that you respect and you see, you know, that they don't just do things for money, but they do things for like the love of tradition and <laughs> also to put camp, but just like raising smart, responsible kids who care for each other, who have a lot of compassion for each other, who will have to bunk together. It's a seven week long camp and I'll be there for 10 weeks between like training and things. And it's, I was just so, so excited. This, um, this camp is very expensive normally for kids. It's $15,000 per kid. So, um, uh, yeah, I could go on, but, um, my kids, my two girls will be able to go for nowhere near that. And I also will get a little bit of a salary as well. And so it is just, I'm, I'm ex so excited, um, to be able to do a lot of the same things that I did when I was 19, when I worked at a very similar camp and do it with my girls, make memories with them, make friends and, um, use everything that I have learned from what I do in this ex Mormon space. Cause I don't, I went from nannying to being a, a stay at home mom to like working at Mormon stories to like you watching me right now. It's like, I don't do a lot of job interviews. I'm not like, hi, here's my application with a cover letter. <laughs> so I don't, I don't do a lot of that kind of stuff, but, um, so it was really fun in the job interview to, um, just be able to kind of put into words why I think that I will be good at the type of role that I needed to fulfill at this camp why I made for it and what these last 15 years since I worked at a summer camp, like, wow, what a lifetime. And then just the last couple of years in this post-Mormon space, everything that I have gleaned from just my therapist friends and nobody listens more intently and closely in an interview than your girl over here. That's why I also had to take breaks from Mormon stories and this job in general of when people go out of their way to to share stories, not because they want the attention, but because they think it'll help somebody. And just, um, I've just learned so, so much by listening intently to people's stories as they deserve to be listened to. And I'm excited to bring that type of just fun, joy, energy, super cool camp counselor energy 
and uh, just overall like empathy and compassion and problem solving skills. Um, interpersonal dynamics. I get to play like a managerial role over the not just the children, but the counselors too. Just imagine me in the setting where I have like 50 college age kids around the world and getting them to like follow the rules and and not be like too much of like a bitch, but also like not a pushover. Um, I'm so excited to walk that fine line in that challenge and hopefully be very likable. So um, anyway, somebody said 15,000 or did you mean 1500? I said 15,000. I said $15,000. Seven weeks sleepaway camp. That's, it's a whole thing. Camp culture back east. Um, another thing that I hope you guys stick around for is I wanted to talk not just about some of the, the controversy, some of the drama, some of the problems that I've gotten into recently and truly give a heartfelt apology. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but I, I also want to talk about like just the visceral nature of this job and why I think that I'm good at it, but also, you know, good at being visceral. No, I mean, I'm good at handling a lot of the, the criticisms and problems and, um, cause I'm. I'm learning and growing and I live by the motto of basically like do it before you're ready. <laughs> and like, you can only really do that if you carve out a space within yourself where you're really okay with making mistakes. And, you know, sometimes that depends on the day, it depends on how big the mistake is, depends on what the feedback is. So um, making mistakes is one thing when you're just a normal person, but also when you're making mistakes, making content and what you decide to put out. Um, is also something that I want to make sure people know where where I fall on that and uh, make some apologies. And also, I the visceral thing I want to talk about is <laughs> not only did I get back on Twitter, and ever since Elon took over, holy shit, have I gotten some things that I had to blur out certain words that um are slurs that I uh, crazy things. Not only did I get back on Twitter, but also I'm gonna bring up the video I made about Cardin. I'm gonna bring up briefly why I took it down the controversy around that. And then also I hope you stick around because I wanted to talk about, um, going inside the ward radio, um, going inside ward radios, discord. Mm, I didn't need, I didn't need to, but I did. And I'm going to share some, some screenshots and I'm going to say this 1000 times. I told you watch this video only if you're interested, cause I'm going to be really annoying and repeat myself a lot. I cannot stress enough how I am made to do this because of how funny and how like, like I view everything as a journey. You, word radio listeners and people of all different shapes and sizes and all different boxes and whatever, they're all on a journey and they're all going to process things the way they wanted to. I used to be an anti-feminist little bitch over on, <laughs> on Twitter before I left the church. And that's, I needed that for my journey because I needed to see how visceral the church is sometimes. Like it, people are going to do what they're going to do. And, um, when they feel like their salvation is tied to this idea, yeah, they're going to be very dogmatic and have a lot of ego or whatever around it. I cannot stress enough how like you cannot hurt me. And so if you read these comments with me and the things that they say, I just want to laugh towards the end because they're really, really funny. <laughs> I literally went to bed last night. I was like, I cannot wait to show people this, but they're going to think that I care and that it hurts my feelings when it really doesn't. It's just funny. So. Anyway, um, let's start off with, I have, um, 40 slides, so we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple things. Uh, all right. So I was on Twitter last night, fantastic tweeter, white cat prophecy made this thread and I retweeted it and I said, well, the, well, the thread, first of all, is about how 
the church's the church's data and numbers are just plummeting across the board and on every demo like every your wildest imagination <laughs> i didn't even know we had this kind of data even if it's just loosely data and it's not like hardcore proof but man everything is just plummeting so i retweeted this thread and i said incredible thread wow my job here is done i'm taking the summer off when i come back i want to see a picture of a mormon church with a banner for spirit halloween so let's just start off why my job here is done my job here is done <laughs> my job is not necessarily to take people out of the mormon church i i just think it's a not true thing and I will talk about my nuanced takes on that all the time, but it's for people who have the ears to hear after all. Um, uh, oh yeah. Sorry. I also had a cute picture of me at camp. Oh, I was going to add in just that. I love working at the summer camp. There's me at 19 with my bunk of girls, Molly, Shelby, Sarah. Nope. Emily, Jennifer, Allison, Nikki. See, I still remember all their names. I, I'm like a person who served a mission and I still remember all my investigators, except for these are, these are my babies. And that's my view out of my door at Camper Macca in, in Massachusetts. And um, I lived the dream. So I'm going to go back and live the dream again. And all right, sorry, back to the data. They wrote Harvard's uh, cooperative election study found that the percent of the LDS of LDS in the U.S. has shrunk by about 40% in the last 10 years and that the Mormon church is shrinking faster than any other religion in the U.S. Protestant, mm -hmm. Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. something else going up, Jewish all over the place, Latter-day Saint is in blue, my job here is done. And that shows from 2011 to 2021. That is a precipitous drop. <laughs> BYU's applications have fallen over the same period that comparable schools in Utah have seen applications double. Isn't that something? And they show the years, BYU, Utah State, and so forth. Um, since the pandemic, the number of new church buildings each year has slowed to almost zero, and it's not going back up. Data scraped from the church's meeting house uh, locator by Reddit user. This is fascinating. Okay. Starts with um, probably the 1950s-ish, going all the way up to the peak being around maybe like the 80s, 90s into the 2000s, and then a gigantic precipitous drop um, of existing buildings just not being what they used to be. Changes to the unit uh, re units recorded in the church's meeting house locator similarly show a noticeable net decrease just since October 2023. And there you go. Utah added 79 but removed 118. Pause to read. And this is also interesting. Cell phone location data indicates that only 15% of Mormons attend church weekly, less than a third of what the church claims. Now, I'm going to get all snowed in on you here for a second. It's like, who the fuck is spying on us going to church or not? But uh, we'll get into who's spying on who and my my um, involvement in spying in a second. So I walked right into that one. Don't worry. But um, yeah, that's that's something. One last data point. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. The LDS Church's growth rate abruptly began its downward spiral as soon as the Internet came on the scene. Much of this information comes from a delightful subreddit called um, Our Mormon Shrivel that's popped up in the last year. I highly recommend joining it. 
and so on and so forth. And the, the thread also continues. Thank you. Um, white cat prophecy. Jenna said, I love when creators are vulnerable and share their lives, no matter how overall theme of their usual content. Sorry. I can't read right. Yeah. Also, I told you guys at the beginning that I wrote down a bunch of ideas and notes on this, and I'm going to tangentially make my way through it. And I realized I brought up how, why I'm wearing my pajamas and I didn't finish that story. It's a live stream. All right, guys. The reason <laughs> you guys are, because I'm an administrator and I want to be like authoritative and like an adult. And I've, I'm, I'm just turned 30. Shit. I forgot how old I turned. Did I turn 35 or 36 this year? Mm, everyone born in 1989. Let me know. <laughs> I really can't remember. Um, I'm going to go with 35. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Anyway, somewhere in my mid thirties and I've never had a pair of pajamas in my entire adult life. Always worn a, a big oversized t-shirt, never had a problem with it, but I have this vision of myself as you do when you imagine your future scenario, when you're moving out of one bubble to the next, and you're like, Hmm, I want to feel authoritative when the kids knock on them, my door and I'm, they, someone needs me in the middle of the night. And like I said, I'm going to have my own apartment at camp. So excited for that light at life and death is being able to like be very much with the kids at camp and then being able to like fuck off at night and just be alone, you know, work hard, play hard. Um, so I'm so excited to get woken up in the middle of the night if there's an emergency and somebody needs me and I can just like stand up in my, my cute pajama set and be like, who needs something? I'm an adult. So that's why I'm wearing my pajamas because as soon as I got the offer to work at the camp, um, in January, the first thing I did was cry. And the second thing I did was go out and buy these pajamas. Cause I said, that's my treat for getting this job. So I will be gone. I'm leaving. I just booked my flights this week. I am leaving on a red eye hardcore. It was only $200. Let me also brag on that, but it's not going to be very fun because it takes off at midnight and gets in at 8am. <laughs> so if anyone has any good tips on how to not die, on, I don't, I don't fly very much or I, I like it. I'm just planning on like, I don't know, drinking a lot at the airport and then falling asleep like a time machine and waking up. And if you need any proof ever that I used to be a conservative, I didn't used to like saying this, but now I just think it's kind of like funny. It's part of the plot that I used to watch the Gavin McGinnis show podcast for like, he had it on forever. Then he went off, like got super once Trump came around and then the proud boys came, that's where he went off the deep end. But he used to just have a lot of funny misogynistic stories that delighted my um, heart. But anyway, he used to talk about this trick of just, it's a time machine. If you just drink a lot at the airport and you just wake up in a new city and never tried that, but that's my plan. So I'm leaving, I'm leaving drunkenly from the Salt Lake airport, <laughs> June 12th. And then I get back, I think August 9th with my kids. My husband's going to come out and visit once or twice and bring our three-year-old camp is so nice. They're so kind and are excited to have my girls there. And they said my husband can come and stay for a weekend with my three-year-old son. Um, it's going to be super, super adorable. And just can't wait to remove myself from this bubble. And I'll keep talking about some reasons why, and maybe this will be of also value in your personal life about the necessity of taking breaks, because that's something I've had to learn the hard way. And I don't, I don't like learning lessons the hard way anymore. Um, I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take a gummy though, or something because I, I want to wake up alert. And after I drink, you'd be surprised. I just, 
I conk out and then I, I'm alert. Not like I'm blackout or something. Like I took a nap yesterday and I knew that <laughs> to, at 2 a.m. I wasn't falling asleep. And so I went up and drank a beer and then I passed out like a little baby. Let's talk about John Larson for a second. John, John Larson. So John Larson, longtime pod podcaster in this space and has become a good friend of mine. And I want to let everyone know how important the people who make this type of content remove myself from the situation. Um, just how important these people have been to my personal faith, like deconstruction and reconstruction, big, re big on the, on the reconstruction. Um, my personal, like my personal life, um, as I go through different, you know, marital or interpersonal challenges or things or how I relate to other podcasters or how I relate to, um, just life in general. And, uh, Bill, Bill Real is a big one, John Dillon, and I would definitely put John Larson up there. So I've probably visited him three times up at his house in Oregon, which is also a tragedy because he used to live right down the street from me, but that was before I met him. So I'd been living in this house in Salt Lake for like five years and I didn't know freaking John Larson was my neighbor <laughs> for all that time. But then as soon as we became friends, he moved to Oregon. Classic. And um, he's really up there living the dream. And he put out a video um, just a couple days ago announcing why he's retiring again. And I will rib him a little bit because I haven't been in the ex-Mormon space or next mormon long enough to remember, you know, when he was making his podcast for Mormon Expressions. And then um, he had to had to go through a divorce and he took a break and said that he was leaving maybe forever. I don't know. I wasn't there, however he put it then. And um, And so to me, he is leaving forever. Cause he sounds serious. He texted me and John Dillon probably back in December and said that he's got to go his own way. A la Gabrielle, um, um, Montez. So, um, his text, as soon as he said that I was like, yes, of course, smart, good idea. Exactly. He's got his farm up there in Oregon. He's got bunnies and animals and growing crops. And, um, I have a picture on screen of what it looks like standing um, outside his guest out, outside his yurt, and me and his wife, Kimmy, and they're just, they've been so hospitable and so kind, and I've gone up there with my husband, Aaron, a couple times, too, and um, sort of tons of land. Um, his kids are fantastic kids, and um, getting to know John Larson has, like, I don't know how to describe it, but you, it's so funny because like, do me and John Larson look anything alike? Do you think that we can relate on 99% of things in life? No, but like John Larson, um, he's, he's my spirit animal and he is getting to know him throughout the years. And he's talked a bit about why he did have to take that original break and some of the really, really, really serious challenges that, um, his kids are going through. Um, he has, um, uh, two kids that are not technically biological adopted, I think, and then two stepkids, pretty sure. Um, but um, he, if you watched his video about him leaving, um, and he he speaks a lot about how this is just it's just like politics with with conservatives and and progressives that these these compounding forces are always going to be around. And at the end of the day, I I know when it's it's time to let people engage in that space that I don't need to quite engage with if it's not healthy for um, 
me to be diverting so much time to it when my kids are also have a lot of challenges. And, um, I, I'm probably the most stereotypical female businesswoman that, you know what, feminists don't get mad at me. I'm going to say it. I'm really, (laughs) I really am like one of those stereotypical people who just goes after the liberal arts or just like the, the careers that don't make any fucking money. Um, but I, I've never, I've never done this to, to make money. And so sometimes I get anxious of like, I'm spending a lot of time doing this, trying to make money. And that is not where my best work necessarily comes from. It comes from trying to always think of how I can make an impact and also do it in a way where John Dillon's always told me like, make it sustainable, do a live stream that everybody tunes out of because you're just long and rambly and annoying. No, make it sustainable. That's why I set up my studio to have people come over and have in-person interviews. It's not something I have to spend weeks researching and trying to become an expert in something and edit. And so doing something in the space that is, that is helpful, resourceful, sustainable, and, um, and also just not lose the plot and John Larson's video. I'm going to play one clip of it in a minute. Um, that I think is, um, you'll see why my tangential thing, it's all going to relate together. But I cannot say enough good things about um, John Larson and him um, just knowing when it's time to step back and when it's time to go and really what life is all about. And I want to talk more about John um, in a little little bit as well. And then also a huge shout out to John and Margie. And um, John Jalen gets so much shit. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish for... Um, just his own, you know, his own thriving and mental health and all of that, that, um, I could tell him, I could force him, I could handcuff him to not work during the summer as well. So I went out to brunch with them for my birthday, um, a couple, couple days ago. And yes, everyone said that Margie's skincare routine, please share. I agree. She's an angel. That is true. And, um, we had a, a great, great long conversation over brunch, and I told them about my plans for the summer. John DeLynn was my reference when I when I applied to this camp, and I'm going to be super cringe. Again, I'm going to repeat myself a lot of how self-aware I am when I'm being cringe. But yes, it is really fucking cool to be like, I haven't had a reference for anything ever <laughs> besides when like, I had a nanny job. like before I had kids you know, nine years ago, I'm like references to this camp who doesn't, they're not Massachusetts. They don't give a fuck about anything going on in Utah. And I'm like references, John Dillon. And I was like, I like that. I like having John Dillon as a reference. So anyway, back on topic, John Dillon gets so much shit. And me, me, John, a lot of us content creators, um, I would say, you know, portion of it, we definitely shoot ourselves in the foot. We definitely like, you know, make shit and then step in it sometimes and be like, it's, it's the old meme of, you know, the little kid with the boot on his face. Like that can happen sometimes. I like, I sometimes say, John, let's think through this series of events here. Um, but I think John does such a good job at what he does. He has 19 years doing Mormon stories podcast. The dude is, is an empathetic, loving, very, very generous person. And, um, it pains me how much, how much shit John gets. And I was like, if you stop making content over the summer and you just take a break for the first time in 19 years, <laughs> think about just not being anyone to, not being, you know, everything to anybody ever for a few months. And he's like, Hmm, I don't know if I could. So one thing that, 
um, is always really hard for me to, to ever take off any more than a month of time is personally for me worrying that I can't do that because I have like a Patreon and due to the algorithm, it is what it is, or I have donors and feeling like I'm letting people down. But, um, if I'm really into the, just the flow of life and me and John were talking about this, that like, if I told people that like for, I, I set up my nonprofit, I know that I want to be doing this as long as John does, or if I don't, then when I take breaks, I will know how I want to engage in this space. And so, um, I started to set up my nonprofit knowing that I wanted to, to build something long-term and within that, hoping that the donors and different support would come through. And th there's definitely been a lot of amazing donors who've come through. Um, somebody donated quite a bit of money to help me start, um, just the paperwork for my nonprofit and to buy a lot of the equipment that I'm recording on right now. So the, the donors have definitely been there, but I, I, um, I have to just like rest assure that if I, if I tell people, so me and John are talking about, if I tell people, Hey, you listener right here, I am anxious that for my own financial security, I can't take a break because people will stop donating. Um, I think the right people will say, okay, I didn't donate before and now I will so that you can take a break. <laughs> or if I lose donors and have to start over, um, I can handle that too. And I was like, John, John's been going through a hell of a legal battle that neither of us can really talk about with Jen camp right now. And it's, I want to vomit. It's so expensive. So, um, I, uh, I have a whole tangent about that. I can get into a minute, but I was, I, John's like, you should tell people to, to, to bully John, to, to pressure John into taking off the summer too. So that is also one of the 19 tangents on the points that I wanted to get to is if you are a Mormon stories listener, every comment section, flood it with John, you should take the summer off. Cause he even brought up to me that he's like, did you know that, you know, SNL and seasons and podcasts, they have seasons. Like they, they go and they work through the fall to the summer and then they take the summer off because it's a very demanding job. And I was like, yeah. And you add in all of the, the controversies and the hate mail and the, the legal battle that's John's legal battle probably takes up way more time in his mind and his resources than podcasting does at this point. And so John really needs to just go relax with a non-alcoholic um, drink on a beach for three months. So everyone, please um, love, love all of your content creators, whatever their space may be, and um, let them know that you love them, but also you love them enough to let them go because I don't ever want to fool myself into thinking that I'm so valuable that like people would just like die if I left. It's like, I know that I know I can be entertaining. I know that you like my content. I know, I know, I know. Like I, I, um, I also can't, um, balance all of the things I need to balance quite as well. If I don't kind of think long-term of how I want to set things up, be very, very like methodical. Like I said at the beginning, since last June of like a lot of stuff was happening in my personal life and thinking, do I even want to be in this space anymore? And do I want to be in this marriage anymore? What do I want? Figuring out that equation and then really setting up a good like bedrock to build off of. So um, that was last June all the way to now. And so I've been thinking very methodically of how I wanted to work everything out. And here I am knowing long-term what will be good is spending time with my kids. 
but, um, every, you know, things get better. And sometimes my kid's behavior gets worse, you know, getting them out of bed to be on school, to go to school on time and just them not fighting. If anyone has the miracle formula of just how to have, don't say the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, I'll be so mad. <laughs> Love at home. Yeah. I've heard it. If you guys want me to also go on a tangent, I sing, um, a church hymn for, my son, it's his, I asked him yesterday, my three-year-old son, it's his favorite song is I see Mario driving in his Mario Kart each day. I have three verses to it. It's got a bridge. It's gorgeous. It's his favorite song. So I have plenty of, um, family, traditional loving values for my kids. I just don't always have the mind to dedicate to them, which isn't that just the whole American dream to work so hard that you're like, Great. Now I'm too tired to play with my kids. I don't want that. I can see the places where I can improve on it. And so if you struggle with that too, and you have any solutions on just generally kids stop bickering, please for the love. Cause I think I'm going to, I keep trying to like break them. Like, <laughs> like, um, like a wild stallion or something where it's like, this is called a consequence. I will sit with you. I've taken off a month of work. I took off a whole month during the summer specifically just to spend time with my kids and put in more structure. And it was the funnest summer of my month uh, ever, but, um, I don't have time to always every tantrum right there in it with you, girl. I love you. We're, we're working this out together. So parenting is, is not only hard. It's also hard if you don't have time for it. It's also hard if you do have time for it and, um, love my kids to death. And, uh, the only thing is, you know, no success if there's failure in the home, but like a not judgmental version of that. Like I truly want to make sure that I've done everything that I can to set my kids up for success in life. And when things are not on, I know it. And that's part of why I'm like, let's go have so much fun at summer camp. I'm a pretty fun mom. I do admit my kids are also much nicer to me when I'm wearing makeup, which I think is really funny. I think when I'm dressed as my normal home hobo, you know, when you're a mom, you're just like, whatever they like, are like, who's this bitch? I'm not respecting her. When I'm like ready to go film a YouTube video, full hair and makeup outfit, they act like I am a celebrity walk around the house and they're so nice to me. So if you guys do that too, you just wear, wear tank tops and put on fake eyelashes and your kids are really nice. Maybe I'll just do that more. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to hear what happened with Sam. Um, you guys are referring to Sam Shelley himself on this shelf. Um, Sam and I are, Sam has, has taught me so many wonderful things and she helped deconvert me and, um, like from just person watching her content and having her blocked on Twitter <laughs> to, um, becoming absolutely best buds and having her very hyperly enmeshed in my life. And, um, and, uh, we had a lot of really good fun times together and ultimately, um, our friendship ended and it's, it's, it's painful and it's sad. And it's been something that it's not, it's like, I can say that and I can't really say much else about that or else, you know, then that leads to questions about so on and so forth and what I think of her and everything. And, um, I think that she's, she and I are very, very similar people, also very, very different people. And we want different things out of life. We have different values overall. I'm not saying one's one's good or bad or whatever, but uh, uh, there was a time in which I didn't think that I could operate in this space um, without her. That's part of um, back in June. I did a lot of things um, in my my personal life and 
a lot of things happened that I can't get into, but overall, um, yeah, we, um, do not talk anymore. We have gone our separate ways and maybe in a couple of years we'll talk again. And, uh, that's just two very different people who were once very close and, uh, I'll watch, I'll watch, um, their content from time to time and still really enjoy everything that they do and produce. And, uh, but overall, I mean, I have a husband and I have three kids and she's, uh, you know, a single person and we just, we live very different lives, but we were probably best friends for like a year and a half. And, uh, it was really, 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 um, had a lot of fun times and learned a lot, um, for better, for worse, but like learned a lot. And, uh, there's nothing like, you know, two people need to go their own way. And like, you find yourself and you find what you really want out of life and like get a new, a new zest and a new zeal and a new, just like leaving the church, just like a faith crisis, like a new zeal for, um, who you are and what you want out of life. Like that's, that's a success. That's a win. So I may be tearing up a little bit whenever I talk about that. That's just, it's hard watching, you know, Nathan Fielder anymore without her, but, um, always love her. She's a good girl. Support Zelf on the shelf. Um, so we are 48 minutes in and I'm crying for the second time. I love people. That's what sucks. I, I think I might've put that in my slideshow. It sucks to love people so much. Um, I think I put that in there. Something about grief. Like if you, if you love people a lot, like you just got to accept, or if you love anything a lot and then ugh, it's just like, makes you want to like, I don't want to love things so much. Cause then there's so much grief attached to it. But, um, being like the, the tools of just like healing and grief and like, ugh. um, we'll talk about somebody asked me on Instagram to say like, how much money do you make compared to how much subscribers do you have such and such and such. And I'm said, I will absolutely be your transparency bay, not a problem. <laughs> So nothing irritates me more than how many, how much money people give to the LDS church that could be used for other things like donating to my channel. No, but I, I really respect transparency and I could, Mormon stories does transparency updates every once in a while. And I thought about doing my own and, um, I know it's kind of small on screen. I guess I could make it bigger, but basically I just wanted to say that my channel added around 20,000 subs in the last year from around 30,000 to 50,000 today. That range with one to two podcasts a week that I've been putting out plus shorts on average made the channel $20,000 over the last 365 days. $20,000. Not enough to live on with three kids. Them's the facts. So donors and Patreon helps. Thanks. So, yep. So with my nonprofit and so forth, um, I have a... I have a really great board and we have a salary. And so if you want me to tell you how much I make, I can, but it's doesn't feel like a lot to me because again, three kids mortgage bankruptcy is imminent. <laughs> I also just want to say, yeah, I hit 50,000 subscribers and that's been really amazing. Cannot think again, going back to the, I love people so much. I love this job so much. I love the people I get to meet so much. Holy shit. Do I love Shalice from cults to consciousness? Um, it is really important to have good, smart, like business savvy <laughs> creators in this space. And 
Um, I've never met anyone like Shalise who is so good at what she does. So kind, so caring, so empathetic, like inside and out. What a beautiful person. And, um, she, um, has given me so many tips, um, since the summer, since I started revving up of how I wanted to lay out my content and things. And we've done so many collaborations and, um, she, um, she's helped me tremendously grow with that number. So I got to give a huge shout out to, uh, got to give a huge shout out to Shalise and diamond day for the 20 bucks. Thank you Too fried at work for a witty comment. Here's money. Uh, and I am again, fully aware of how annoying I'm going to be in this episode. Yes. I'm leaving to go work at a summer camp and not like Mormon stories where I just in the middle of a absolute panic attack breakdown of how so much of the shit of Mormonism was converging in front of my face in one moment. And I said, I don't ever want to do this again. I, uh, spent many, many, many months being very methodical instead. And, uh, another tangent I like to go on real quick is, um, over the summer, I am not going to beat around the bush between my marriage, me also being a super loserly person and having a lot of loserly things about myself and coming to terms with them and taking accountability for them and changing them between my marriage, that, and also my breakup with Sam. I, uh, I can only speak for myself, but I think Everybody involved in that, in, in many different situations in that party, different friend groups breaking off, different things realigning, a lot of things that felt like a betrayal, a lot of things that just were not good and not a lot of communication going on, a lot of hurt feelings, not a good situation. So over the summer, uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. And at one point I went out to lunch with John in the summer and he told me to if John's watching this, he's going to say, Kara, shut up. <laughs> no, John's a good guy. He, he told me to just, he's like, doesn't want to give me too much advice to tell me what to do. But he did tell me to, cause I got out of, I got out of journal and I was just sick of making the same mistakes over and over again. And he said, just write out everything that you've learned. It, it's just the best thing I have ever done for my growth and is, is to go over everything that I have learned of like, I have learned this about myself and like, and, and like related to substances, I have a whole section on substances. How do I relate to substances in these situations? Like, what have I learned about my sexuality? What have I learned about how I interact when I'm tired or when I'm like in my ego or I'm being indulgent and like so many situations, how did I, what, what did I learn about myself? And I, um, all throughout that, I learned that I need to slow down. The 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 the, the method is really you got to slow down, be methodical. Nothing because I came from TikTok, right? You know where TikTok is. You can just make a video, and whatever the fuck you want to say <laughs> that you think is funny, no filter. You can be like and send out to millions of people. And um, I truly did. Like there are some times where I got I by my recklessness in, you could say in like, I know this will cause problems, but good God, it's so funny. Like I have to do it. I can tell you the example that had a whole board meeting <laughs> revolved around it, but I don't like talking about, um, new name Noah any more than I have to, but, um, going through so many different processes of, of making mistakes and, and knowing that everything can truly, truly wait, be a lot, be more methodical there, Kara. That's not my strong suit. And I love, um, I, I love being in this space and I want to make it sustainable and I can't make it sustainable if I'm 
you know, shooting myself in the foot by things and not learning my own lessons. So it was really, really fun. Um, a fun exercise in growth to write down this, this novel of everything that I've learned since I've, I've left the church, like really specific, specific things. And, um, there's a time in which I, I looked at this, this list of a bunch of different things and I started crying. I didn't expect, cause it wasn't an emotional experience. It was just like a, huh? Oh, and this, this, it was like a, and I started crying and I turned to my husband. I was like, I like literally stood up and dropped on my phone. I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, I know who that girl was here. And I know who that girl was over here at like in this different, like, Oh my God, Kara, you've fucked up so much. You've been really hard on yourself, but I this, the, woo, she learned a lot and she employed it. And you didn't even notice Kara until you wrote this down of like, you fucking did the things that you never thought you could do. So, okay. I also put up this meme because I thought it was cute. It's an octopus that says learning to let go. I'm doing it. So that just is to say that like every time that your ego or your mind is also like, finally, I'm doing that thing. But you're like, let's look a little bit deeper. Are we actually doing the thing? Or are we just like, you know, when people say, Hey, I'm going on a diet and it's like, great. It's like, no, don't tell people. All right. I know diet culture. Skip that example. It's like when you tell people you're going to do something and then you get all the happy endorphins. You know what I mean? That, that old psychological problem. It's like, don't tell people that you're doing it because you got all the happy endorphins from telling people you're going to do it. Just actually do it. And then you get the endorphins naturally. And then also when you're like fucking done actually doing it, you lazy loser, but be nicer on yourself. Anyway, does that make sense? I told you tangential as fuck today. <laughs> also, I thought this was sweet. Imagine if we measured success by the amount of safety that people feel in our presence. Um, people being able to share their stories with me and feel safe around me and that I will not misrepresent their stories is, is also a big deal to me. And that's how I feel. I feel like I've done a good job and anyone is open to telling me if I could do better. And I hope that Quaku, if he does come over, um, I, I, I hope that me and Quaku can make a lot of videos together, honestly, and get into the more nitty gritty of things. But first he, he reached out that you and John Dillon don't even know me. I'm more liberal than both of you put together. Let me come on and explain my real beliefs. I have a lot that I can say on that, but I was just going to let Quaku come on and just, I'm not the bitch that his fan base thinks that I am <laughs> or the Satan worshiper. Um, if you're from the Word Radio fan base, please stick around because um, I want to talk about some of the things you wrote about me that are super funny. Next, also, I thought this was adorable. Just, you know, for other people, but not for me. If you want to participate in this, you're welcome to. You know how bitches like me love memes on Instagram. You become what you read. You become what you listen to. You become what you watch. You become what you think. Choose wisely. Is there even an argument with that? So... I'm bringing up certain things like this because John Larson echoes this in his leaving statement as well. Um, when you're just very engrossed in this space and in this trauma and all of the bullshit that the church does and how it harms people and that um, can weigh quite heavily. So I want to continue to talk about that. Um, quick thing on the Tim Ballard stuff. Somebody posted on Reddit the other day, did Tim Ballard threaten all the Exmo commenters into silence? I'm trying to figure out why Nuance Ho and RFM and others went silent on the topic, especially when Nuance Ho announced she was preparing a massive in-depth series on Tim, then nothing, so on and so forth. Um, one of my things that I've learned is really try hard to not 
again, with the endorphins thing, um, announce what I'm doing. Sometimes I just want people to subscribe and say, look out for this. But the Tim Ballard thing has taken a really long time and I've been working on it for four months. And I mean, like, anyway, I explain myself in this comment. I just, I do feel bad because, um, I, people have said like that I'm doing a bait and switch here. And you know, that thing in life where you see things in other people and you're like, I fucking hate when people do a bait and switch. I swear to God, I'm not. So just, you got to trust me. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Um, my YouTube, I said my YouTube doc series is coming and I have not been threatened. It's just a very long story. And I've basically needed to write a very long cohesive script to cover. So I apologize. I haven't made good on my promise yet, but trust me, it's coming. I've been working on the research for four months straight. It's Sean Reyes who scares the crap out of me. That's a mofo I'm afraid to mess with. The shit my sources have told me have shook me to my core. But yeah, it's hard being a one-woman show, trying to put out weekly content and all the business side of things, taxes, kids. It's a lot, but Tim Shit Show ain't going anywhere and neither am I. So um, I have just a couple goals of things I want to get done before June comes. And I have at least two, if not three, little, I don't want to get your hopes up that it's some like actual documentary. It's a, it's a, it's a swoop style documentary. It's, a, it's going to be good. It's funny. It's got, uh, everything that you need to know in one cohesive long. I mean, I just want to tell the story start to finish and I will be doing, um, a response probably this week. Again, I'm not promising anything to the Tim Ballard pro Tim Ballard documentary that came out on last dispensations channel that, um, it's shooting fish in a barrel with my old noggin up here. This is a repository for all Tim Ballard knowledge. So, um, I've watched it twice and I'm like, I could fucking live stream that and be like, bam, refuted evidence here. I know where to pull it. I have everything in this document that is probably hundreds of pages of long at this point. So want to, I want to refute that, that, it's a docu-series about defending Tim Ballard that's out right now. Just Tim Ballard's persona. Like the the things the women are talking about are just Tim Ballard's. Oh, you thought I was sexually harassing you. You know, you guys are lying. You guys know you're lying because that was on our cell phones when I was playing, you know, wannabe Rambo and you were playing my whore of a wife wanting to go, you know, sex traffic kids. Why are you saying that that was me, Tim Ballard, when there are pages? and pages and pages of text messages so explicitly from Tim Ballard and also talking about how he knows what he's doing is, is going to have consequences knowing what he's doing. And, and all you have to do, sorry, I'm making the response video right now. All you have to do is go, Hey Tim, quick question. Your point is that all of those text messages that, that you were being sexually harassing your, the, for the females ruse, and that was all part of your character to to put on the phones. That if that's your whole point, why the fuck are all of these messages on your operatives' private cell phones and your private cell phones when you specifically said that they have like dummy cell phones that you have, you know, for evidence and things? Because that's crazy that all of those messages are not on those. Those are on your cell phones from your number to their home number. It's not when you're off in the Caribbean. With uh, you know, petting zebras at the vegan ranch, having those skidoos, wild time. Mm -mm. It's consistently over years with various different women with the same pattern and not following any kind of like standards and operations of how to keep anyone's safety with no oversight. And then when people would complain, 
you would threaten like the higher ups at OUR to like kick them out. So many things. It was like they're this they think they have these slam dunk points are so bad. So funny, so bad to me. So next, okay, we gotta talk about this. Shit. All right. So I will first and foremost say that uh of the of the two things that I have done where my name has been used across the world, like Joseph Smith's for good and evil. Two things have come up in the last couple months and or almost my entire career, I feel like, in the last two months. Um, and this is one of them. And I wish people understood. Maybe you've never met a girl like me. I don't know how to tell you this. I am very aware that people are going to view things differently than me. And where I think I am doing the right thing or I am doing something in a nuanced way, um, there are going to be people from all kinds over the spectrum who are going to see things differently. And I just um, have enough goodwill in some respects where I hope people know my heart and my intentions. And I also know that I can absolutely apologize and take accountability when people reach out to me and tell them, tell me that something I did um, impacted them negative, um, negatively. And for that, um, I wanted to talk about just this whole, we'll get into my controversy aspect of the show right now um, with the Charlie Bird thing. So a couple of weeks ago, Mormon Stories made an episode about Charlie Bird, who a lot of people are unfamiliar with. Let me inform you. He is like, I guess a gay Mormon influencer. He used to be um, the mascot at BYU. He is married to a man and he's written some books for the LDS church and one that was published by Deseret Book and at Deseret Book, I believe. If I get any of this wrong, please correct me. And then one that was self-published and generally around the themes of like how to be gay and stay in the church. And my opinion is, you know, do whatever works for you. I get it, but it really grinds my gears when anybody can kind of implant the idea into like, you know, Mormon parents' minds or the culture's minds to say that like queer people are like making a big deal out of them not fitting within this church and that the church is always still true. It's that you have a, you're the problem within it. It always is going to grind my gears and just implanting this idea that like queer people, if they just tried harder and they just strived more and they just kept their eye on the prize they they can make it work without really interacting with more of the data and lived experience and how nuanced it is. So overall, I don't know. I don't know, Charlie. I don't know his story, but I do know that he is able to take the sacrament and hold a calling in his ward in Utah. So part of the, so one side tangent of when I worked at Mormon stories, there would be sometimes where like John would do something or he'd post something. And it's like, great. Now I have to defend you on this. I was like, I would have told you not to post that. And like, now it's like, Kara, why do you work for John? If he's doing stupid stuff like this. And it's also things go both ways. Trust me. There's plenty of times where it's, I post something and everyone's like, why the fuck are you employing Kara? So that street is very mutual. <laughs> Trust me. But I did not realize, um, I did not realize with the Mormon stories how everything would play out because what I viewed as, as I didn't realize Gerardo when he asked me to go um, 
to Charlie's ward to go check on if this was true so that we weren't doing a rumor. I didn't realize what it exactly would turn into, but I could guess because what it ultimately turned into was um, people accusing um, me and Gerardo of stalking. And I totally understood that from the second I, I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, people, if they saw Kara and Gerardo from Mormon stories, they would immediately say, what the fuck are they doing here? They're probably stalking our Charlie bird as he's taking the sacrament. And I had to like, really think of like his invasion of privacy and all of the things about queer surveillance. Those immediately came to mind. No question. I, I totally understood that. And I weighed out all of the pros and cons. And ultimately when I, I did it as one, knowing that Gerardo was already going to go and um, most people don't even know that I went, which is also funny because like it's one of those things where I could they they went through a lot of a lot of people saying a lot of things and had to deal with a lot of controversy. Obviously, John and Harder did um, over the last couple of weeks. And on one account, I was like, most people don't even know that I was there. <laughs> I did post these pictures on Instagram and I had plenty of people come into my comment section on various places and tell me that I was a piece of shit and things. And I was like. I totally understand that perspective and I don't argue with it. It's just to me has some nuance to it. And I can fully though, like give uh, like a sincere apology to, to Charlie and his husband. And I don't know what happened with like Desnat or people. I, I realized that, you know, one possibility I realize is like some people are going to get really mad that we are confirming this. Um, forget the spying part, but just confirming that, that they might get a lot of hate. And ultimately, um, I I don't like anything with, with the queer, queer, queer surveillance. I totally, I don't want to ever be part of that in any way, shape or form. Um, and it, it's, um, it's an unfortunate situation. I, I'll talk about in a second, but I wanted to, um, just say that um, it was, it's just crazy because at the end of the day, I was trying to, trying to support my friend Gerardo and trying to do what I felt like would be good for the, the community overall. And I think if we all could have undone it back in time, I don't think that we, we needed to go and we needed to, to, to participate in something that yes, could be viewed as stalking or spying. And we could have had somebody else who's in the ward confirm that with their own eyeballs. So that perspective is a thousand percent valid. And then I'm here as somebody who like lived it. And I also, it's hard for me because also there's parts of it like that were so impactful for me <laughs> that um, I hadn't been to church. Gerardo hadn't been to church in four years. And so I really was excited just to go to church <laughs> and see what it was like. And report back on how much I love how the bathroom smells still and be like, is it true yet? Nope. It was really boring. Absolutely boring as boring gets out. Um, just I have I've grown in so many different spiritual ways in 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 nature and in meditation and just in myself. And the idea of like hearing um just these talks that people were giving. I'm sure they're very nice people, but I was like, no offense, that is the stupidest thing that I have ever heard. And I am, I'm horrified that you just said that. So things like that. And then also just like the plain white walls, it doesn't inspire. It doesn't spark joy. Church still isn't true. Don't worry. But anyway, I wrote on, um, an Instagram post. So if you missed it, 
here it is. I wrote, I went to see history being made, support my pal Gerardo and bask in the comforting smell of the bathroom. But at the end of the day, I 100% knew the potential harm my attendance could do. And I'm 100% sorry for my role in the past month's events, full stop. But if it's any consolation, sitting next to my gay friend, watching a gay married couple take the sacrament in a Mormon chapel served by a group of young men, knowing one is likely queer is a memory I'll cherish forever understandably ill-gotten. I promise my faith in humanity and bathroom smells will be ethically sourced in the future. If you're still mad, we can talk it out. Um, I always just like to say that part of me starting my nonprofit was keeping myself out of trouble, to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I, working for John and Mormon Stories, I had to, I had to, you know, rein it in, Kara, and a lot of my jokes or what I was doing or saying, you know, um, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I'm not working for somebody else, that I still make content and do things um, in this space that make it easier, happier, healthier, don't add more drama and things. And I am very aware of my faults. Trust me. We'll get into them in a second. I have Ward Radio's Discord to thank for opening my eyes. Can't wait to show you what I have. Um, but I'm I'm very aware. And nobody loves to just have their mind blown and expanded by somebody who has opposing views to me and them opening my eyes to be like, Oh, that was a blind spot of mine. I totally didn't see that. John Dillon has done wonders to that. Um, my friend, my former friend, but no, that's why I will always love anybody who's ever come into my life. Sam Shelley included. Um, she's opened my eyes to plenty of things and, and, um, my husband and any type of relationship where you're just, um, able to, really get down to the nitty gritty of like, I love you. Give me, give me the fast facts on what I did and how it impacted you because I don't want to go through life just careless and reckless and just like, you know, sideswiping mirrors and not leaving notes, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's, that is not really what I'm all about. And I started my nonprofit and tried to give out my email. It's the new one. So at gmail.com, I tried to leave it in all of the show notes. I, I haven't said it enough. I can say it now um, that if there's something where you don't think that what I'm doing is helpful in the X Harmon space, and I've lost the plot as um, Mackenzie Vance has said. So Mackenzie Vance is a TikToker and also a YouTuber that um, I've become pals with. I'll talk about her in a second as well. And, um, her video about Mormon stories and about this Charlie bird controversy. Um, she said that, you know, Mormon stories has lost the plot. And I was like, great title. I get you. <laughs> I, that's my daily life is like, don't lose the plot, Gareth. Stay centered. So if you're ever, I'm, I'm not just a podcaster and content creator who just makes money on YouTube. I also have donors and I feel a responsibility to make content that is, actually useful and not causing more harm. So I will get into that in a second and how I also get myself in trouble sometimes. Yeah, it's it's hard. The other thing that's just hard for me is because I I really think a lot of things can be solved with just more open, honest, heart-to-heart -heart communication. Um, that is the story of my life. And if I'm ever viewed as somebody who like, it's not safe to tell her that she sucks, you know, be, or whatever. Um, I don't think of myself like that. And so I, uh, sometimes it throws me for a loop, but, um, I have a lot of confirmations, 
otherwise. And um, it was great. Like in my, my brunch with Margie and John the other day, um, <laughs> if there were other people at the brunch table, they'd be like, why is John Dillon making Kara Brell cry over there if they knew who we were at the brunch table? But no, overall, it was just me and John having a real heart to heart because me and John have, have gone through so much together, some misunderstandings and, and different things. And just really um, knowing John knows my heart and I know John's heart and going over things in life where it's like, if, if we can, we can be in the space together and we can hold each other accountable and say like, Hey, what you did here hurt me and know that that'll be received and vice versa. And like, not go on. I, I just, I, I told them, I was like, before I, I enter into this, now that we don't have like a contract together and it's like, I can say whatever I want about you, John. <laughs> I was like, I just want to make sure that like, that you and I, um, that we're good. And if there's anything that I've done that we can talk about and I can take accountability for now. And if there's things, there's some things that are like come up in our past that, um, I want to make sure that we, we can talk about and take care of now. And John has had so many people come after him. Um, and I won't say like, cause I don't know everyone's story. I don't know like what exactly happened with what person, but what I do know, I do know, uh, is a lot of, a lot of bullshit because I've seen it with my own eyes and the way people extort um, money out of Mormon stories like Jen Camp, for example. Sorry, I'm going to get in trouble for saying all this. I don't care. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes and um, letting him know that like John has never, John's never, ever, ever done anything to me personally that would ever call for me to expose him or, or smear him or do anything like that. But he still lives in fear of that from like, you know, even taking me on it's a risk to having working, having people in the space, um, who might have not processed certain things about like patriarchy or trauma or whatever. And just being like, John, it's me, it's Kara, everything's fine. <laughs> like, and working through those things. So I just think so many things can be solved with just like a really good, like heart to heart conversation where it's just like, no bullshit. We both got problems. Let's talk about them. Love you so much. Love that. So I try to give out my email. I try to say, if you're mad at me about anything that I've done, please let me know. And so it's unfortunate that I really feel bad. I do not agree with the statement that Equality Utah put out. Um, like I can understand just about everybody else's um, opinions and takes. I read every post that I could on Reddit and try to see every perspectives, but Equality Utah went way, way too hard. And they also did not even listen to the Mormon stories episode. And also I, I have learned again from like my card and video from last week, there's a lot of things I learn all the time. And one of them is like, I hope that I will have the remembrance and the balls to, you know, email somebody or talk to somebody or can not confront confront's not even the right word, but just like genuinely reach out and be like, I, I heard that I hurt you in this way. What can I do to, to make it better? Um, and it just really pains me that such a large organization like equality Utah, um, put out such a scathing thing about John Delin, um, and Gerardo. Um, and I, I really do disagree with, um, how harshly they came after him without like, you could have just like called him up on the phone or emailed him and said, like, let's talk about this more. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm being too simplistic, but, um, once you put out a post like that, just can John's worked so hard in this community for 19 years and he's done so many, so much research and cared so empathetically for so many queer people. And, um, it's just like, it just, if that was me, if, if I was John, I honestly would have quit after that. I'd be like, oh, so nothing I fucking do ever matters. Like, I know I made a mistake, but holy shit, what a condemnation. Just anyway, um, question. Do you see John like a dad figure? No, 
I don't see John like a dad figure. I see John like a brother. <laughs> Me and John have a very jokey relationship, as you can see. My dad and I joke along. I don't have any father figures. Mm, do I? Do I see anyone as a father? Mm, maybe the closest is like John Larson. Maybe, but I feel like I feel like mm, I'll have to get back to that. I don't know who I see as a father figure. I'm my own father. That's my piece on the the Charlie Bird thing for now. And um. What else do I got? My marriage. We'll talk about that for a quick hot second. Um, me and Aaron, he's the best. We love Aaron. Aaron, Jeremy Burrell. Couldn't live without him. So he and I got married when I was 19 and he was 25. We met doing stand-up. We moved to California. We worked for Tignataro. We had three babies. And um, I love family more than maybe you think that I do. <laughs> I am like itching to be a trad wife any second. No, just kidding. Um, I think that people talk a lot about like the pendulum swinging, you know, when you leave like a hyper-conservative religion and then like when you go super liberal because like it's, it's opposed to those things. And so you kind of have to find like a healthy medium. John Larson talked about that a little bit in his leaving episode about just like Buddhism and finding the middle way, which is definitely um, what I always uh, have have tried, but not always succeeded at um, orienting myself towards the nuance. So understands, and so yeah, there's there's a a strange thing that happens in a girl's life where she has just had a baby, <laughs> sleeping forty five minutes a day, like absolutely had all these medical problems after my son was born. This is like late. We left church summer 2019. My son was born the next summer, 2020. COVID, my husband's mom dies. Ugh, it's just nothing. I cannot put into words what a faith crisis on top of a, with a baby with like my, my husband's mom dying um, during COVID in a job. I cannot tell you what an absolute like fucked up situation we were living in. Um, but what I love about Aaron is he's my best friend and we've got 15 years together and he is just like such a rock. And I feel like I'm a, a good rock for him. And we are, we are the old saying of, you know, in sickness and in health. So there is a lot of us both being weak at the same time. And, uh, and then a lot of, I don't know exactly what, but, um, it was, it was just a crazy thing happened when I went from being super miserable and having a ton of medical problems after my son was born to just writing scripts on TikTok and filming them and then blowing up on TikTok and being like, oh, you want me to satirize the Mormon church? Okay. <laughs> and then just doing that and then, you know, getting a Mormon stories interview job, John offering me a job there and being like, I guess, I guess I could do that. I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. Like, you want me to like work full time? Like, okay. And my husband, I'll have like a part-time babysitter and my husband will work. And I was like, it's, it was a very, very, very big deal. A lot of stuff. I, I cannot emphasize enough how much stuff that is for my, my normative life of just like tra-la-la, tra-la-la of doing that for 10 years to just something very different, very different lifestyle. And, um, uh, Aaron and I, even though we talked about getting divorced seriously twice, um, in the last year, um, 
I'm I'm really happy that we had a lot of tough times to kind of see what we were made of and what we really wanted. And I could talk about this for as long as people want me to talk about because I I do understand that it's 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 been a, a topic that's been on my mind on the on my frontal lobe for a long time. It's on the frontal lobe of many people of like, do you still choose the person that you married in the confines of a cult? When you change as people or you see different things or you value different things or you're just like, what I didn't care about before I care about now and they don't care about those things. There's so many things. You know what? To be honest, I feel like I was also a lot dumber when I was in the church. And sometimes this is going to sound like a diss to my husband. It is not. (laughs) I will build him back up in a second. I honestly think I just didn't think about anything that could ever where someone would be like, hey. Don't you think it's annoying when your husband does that? I'd be like, no, he's super handsome. I love him and he makes money and he, we have babies together and I'm his trad wife. Like I didn't think critically about anything. And so I did have to go through a process of thinking a lot about myself, my life, my like codependency, our codependency, um, and just really growing up with a person and then engaging in how I wanted to, to do a life with them. And so ultimately Aaron is, holy smokes, is Aaron a good guy? Oh my gosh. I almost want to divorce him so that you could date him because he's so great. <laughs> he's the best. So Aaron is, is incredibly thoughtful and loving and kind and understanding and puts up with so much of my shit. And, um, I'm a, I'm a terrible listener to my husband. I'm a, I'm a good listener to everyone else. Terrible listener to my husband. You've seen it on the podcast before. Um, <laughs> I think it's because Um, my brain is just running a mile a minute and he is, what I love about Aaron is I could not replace him in a million years because a, the father of my kids and I love our family and our unit. And I will, there's nothing, nothing, nothing else in the world. I love more than my husband and our kids and all of us family time and just him and me and man, is he super hot and sexy and all of the things, but also Um, his approach and his spirituality has also like really been so inspirational and you could say, um, things and he's, he's so proactive on, on his healing and the books he reads when I am just running a mile a minute doing content and kids and other things and stuff. He's the meditative one. He's the slower, more pensive thinker and, and, um, we balance each other out very, very well. So that's my adorable husband, Aaron. I I grew up with a lot of guy friends on my block making go-karts and stuff like that. And uh, I have a friend named Stephen Pond. Stephen, please watch my podcast and don't leave the church. Stay in it if it's good for you. Um, He runs a a podcast called um, Read and Find Out. Anyone knows what I'm talking about, please, for the love of God. He talks about um, all kinds of mystical books that I wouldn't even know the title of. Anyway, um, Steve. Steve is my my childhood best friend. I have a lot of um, male childhood best friends. And, um, they're always like brothers to me. And it was so, when I met Aaron, it was like, he's my, he's like somebody that just feels like he grew up in the same neighborhood as me came from the same type of like lower middle-class family, the same upbringing with the church and, you know, just similar comedy backgrounds. And he just meeting Aaron was like, feeling like I met like a best friend of like, where you been all my life, but I love you. And also you could have sex with them. We do not take anything too seriously for too long. Um, we run our lives on comedy. I run, I run my life on comedy. My, my whole entire brain always goes to like, if you have to do life, do it in the fun, funnest way possible 
where the jokes just flow and you do things for the plot and life is just funnier and interesting. And so we laugh together. We make each other laugh. We always have. And um, even while we were talking about divorce, like um, we were always still, you know, very, very amicable. It's the When I had Dylan from Jubilee on and he talked about when he was divorcing his wife and he's like, we are going to break all records for how to have an amicable divorce. I was like, that's, that's how me and Aaron were. I was like, yes, 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 yes. And yes. And we were, and, and we were doing great. And like when the second time that we decided for Sherzy's was like at least two or three months. And that's where I made some of my best content. Don't encourage me to make better content because to do that, I have to leave my husband. So <laughs> I was living at an apartment that we had and, um, a second apartment that we had and that from the first time, long story. Anyway, when we separated, I've talked about this before and it's always been, it's always been pretty amicable and, uh, we, we, we love each other, but yeah, I made some of my best content through, uh, like, uh, September, October. <laughs> Cause, um, I got to be the one to be like, you're the stay at home dad. I'm going to work and living somewhere else. And man, that was, that was some of my heyday. I was, I was cranking out, um, Tim Ballard content, like nobody's business and researching shit. But anyway, point is, um, we, uh, yeah, we had that apartment. So the serious time was May for two weeks, I would say. And then like two months over like September, October. And it was very for surezies. I cannot stress enough how like I packed up all of my things, all of my things. I packed up all of my things and I, we had a schedule for like when I would come home and, uh, like I was getting together all of like the paperwork that I would need. Um, we told the kids like the, that's like the last thing I wanted to ever do. And we totally told the kids and, uh, made that understood in the house and told our families and everything. So it was a really big deal. And, um, the reason that we, uh, eventually worked things out, um, is a whole other side story. I'm not going to say we got back together because we like to have a lot of sex. No, that's not what I'm saying. Just saying it's part of the package deal of, I really love him and we have a lot of fun and we love spending time as a family with our kids and it, nothing, our brains got really fucking motivated to figure out how to solve our problems when we realized how much love we had versus how much I'm like, mm, don't think that's what we should be doing. After all, we can solve these problems together, but, um, a lot of, a lot of good can come from taking space. Cannot say you learn a lot about yourself. Aaron and I separated a while ago for many, many months. This was like 20 summer, summer 2022. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. And we were both really happy living apart for a while. Anyway, getting into too much of my personal life. I don't mind talking about it. You're bored. Anyway, um, you're not taking your channel down, are you? No. Um, no, I just am going to be making a bunch of other, a bunch of other stuff. Hopefully I'll have weekly content from now until I'm going to say like May. And then I feel like I'm going to need to, um, really concentrate on, uh, I have, to, I have to like train my kids better <laughs> on like, you don't understand when you go to camp, you have to brush your hair and change your clothes and brush your teeth. And you need to, I, I need to like 
have no other distractions than just training my kids to be extremely independent, basically in ways that I can't right now. And, uh, so when I go work at the summer camp, I will have, everything will be here and stuff. I just think I'm going to go totally MIA for at least 10 weeks. And I think I'm going to like it. Okay. Continuing on my clip show. Cause Oh, we're going to make our way through this whole clip show. I told you that you can leave at any time, but you're not going to want to because I haven't even gotten to what's next. Bam. Okay. This one. <laughs> so bisexual things. Um, so I wrote this on my Instagram the other day and I'm going to explain it really briefly. And if you want me to make a whole video about this, I have it. It's all written out. It's all journaled. It's all ready to go. I just have a lot of cringe making this. So first and foremost, I had some of the best, the best, best, best. Every time I think I'm so happy and I have some epiphany and I just feel like I'm on cloud nine and life is going well, I always run into another epiphany and I was like, oh, cloud 10. I love it. So after the Die Shiny concert, if you remember when I was interviewing them, um, I was just so happy and I went home and um, was able to just lay in bed, just like hyped up on adrenaline. And I was thinking about a lot of things in my life and my marriage. And I finally was able to process quietly for like five hours <laughs> and just laid in bed, couldn't sleep and was just thinking about so many things. And I finally made some connections and I woke up the next morning so, so happy. And, um, first thing I did was, um, text, uh, my good friend Rio, who was having a really bad day. And he said that just me saying how much absolute, um, whoredom with my bisexuality, you know, um, just telling him, I was like, Rio, I just wanted to let you know. Cause he's like one of the only people that I talked to about these things. I was just like, I just wanted to let you know, I had a big conclusion last night and, um, I really realized, um, I, I don't want to keep making certain mistakes. And I was like, I really realized, uh, that I needed to confront more, um, uh, my relationships with women and bisexuality and, uh, just poured my heart out to him. And it was so cute. And he's, um, he's been like a childhood friend since I was little and, um, good times. And then I was like, I think I'm ready to say something, at least just an Instagram post. Cause it feels really good to get this off my chest. So I did slow down. I did write this and I, I sat on it for like many, many hours. The thing I wish I would have sat on longer was I don't like the picture. I don't know why I chose that picture. I just said, Carrie, go take a picture of yourself. And I always run things by my sisters. Cause I like people being mean to me. I don't think you understand how much I like people with their brutal honesty. And my sisters, my older sisters will absolutely judge me. And they said, Carrie, you look like a freaking idiot. And I was like, I like it. And they're like, what the fuck? Why are you? And I was like, I'll never take another serious picture again. Okay. I forget the picture on this, but anyway, I wrote vulnerable post coming. I turned 35 next week and have been doing a lot of thinking about what I wanted to talk about in a special podcast episode as I reflect on my life. TBD, if that's coming not to be indulgent, this is to be indulgent. Not to be indulgent, but to share something about my Mormon and ex-Mormon journey that people can connect with. A couple days ago, I was on sex therapist Natasha Helfer's podcast, and she asked me about areas of my life related to sexuality as a post-Mormon I've deconstructed. After pouring out my heart um, on all the sexual abuse I endured as a kid, opening up about my bisexuality was no big deal. So that was a little bit like, for you and only you, Natasha, love you so much. <laughs> so she's like, what if you deconstruct? And I was like, okay. I got some ones, I guess I'll just talk about this one that I don't really like talking about that much, but I did blurt it all out. And I was like, that felt really good. 
I like saying things that have been in my shadow, integrating the shadow. Um, so opening up about my bisexuality was no big deal. Although the first time I'd ever said what I said to anyone and for any and all listeners to hear, it's put a lot on my mind I wanted to talk about, but it's by far the most painful, tear-inducing, trauma-ridden topic I could speak on, which is why I don't. And again, I have everything written out, journaled out. It's hard because it involves so many people that are real people and stories of like, so when I was Mormon, I had this really platonic, but not such platonic relationship with this one Mormon woman. And it was crazy. And we both realized these different things. See, look, I've already said too much. Never mind. She didn't realize anything. (laughs) See, I've already screwed it up. So it was really difficult to talk about anything with my life because I've had so, so, so many friendships with women that are just strictly like people ask me all the time if me and Sam were like in a lesbian relationship together. The answer is unequivocally no to that. We just trying to think of a funny joke there. It's just trying to think of something that's not homophobic at the same time. (laughs) It's just, that's a no. That, that part is a no. So it's very hard to talk about my life as it relates to stories with other people. A lot of people, especially when I was Mormon that carry a lot of shame, um, from then. And, um, just truly, I can talk about my childhood abuse easier than I can talk about, um, certain very, uh, painful breakups and relationships with, or or just, it's crazy. My deconstruction around Mormonism and, um, sexuality is, it was a real, real mindfuck anyway. Um, cause really, I think it all comes down to, cause the different, different friends of mine reached out and they're like, Kara, I loved your post. And also like, I feel the same way, but also it's like, you know, where people it's, it's the waters we're swimming in and it's always like that's fine for you but for me like how much homophobia you have in yourself and if you it's such a long story i don't want to get into right now but mm. then i wanted to say there are some things that will always remain personal but i've come to terms with a few shame filled events from my mormon life starting when i was 17 i think would be beneficial to talk about it would not be about the people, but the confines I was committed to keeping up until checks watch just now. Just throwing all this out there, including the working title, my coworker Jen Camp at Mormon Stories purposely outed me in her lawsuit and other WTF moments of my bisexual journey. And um, just the working title. I'll shorten it. Shalise is great for telling me, Kara, you'd do better on YouTube if you shortened that. So I'll take that advice, I guess. But... I think if I ever do end up making that video, I'll just say this, that it's difficult to make because it has so it's, it's, it's the shadowiest, darkest of, of the shadow place. Um, but after I went to that die shiny concert and I was able to like take that out of the shadow and look at it, I truly felt it was the, one of the top three best burdens lifting off of my psyche since I left the church. Okay. And I, if you wind back to the part about how much I love my husband, super frank with you, love men, love them. I am a humor sexual and I am a safety sexual. So those are not in the rainbow flag yet. I know pansexual is a thing, but I'm just going to make up humor sexual and safety sexual. And, um, 
Now, um, we're going to reach our section of the program where I'm going to briefly talk about, super briefly, the videos that I made about Cardin from Word Radio last week. Now, what I said in those videos, um, I won't repeat right now, but I understood full, fully. I talked to different people, different sources on the phone for over a week and um, I'm very confident in the things that they said were true. Um, however, um, I am so glad that John Larson made this video, not that he's leaving, but he articulated something that literally it was like the universe, the, and the enlightenment happened simultaneously where I had just realized this the morning of, I was making a decision of, of if I was going to take down those videos. Cause keep in mind, I made the videos fully knowing I was going to take a heat that I could not share my sources because in the system we live in, I just, I wanted to out people who do creepy things and, um, and so forth. Um, but fully understanding that people were going to think that I was a total loser smear campaign, Kara with the ad homonyms, totally, totally thousand percent. I made them like, I, I know it wins. I don't like this. It's just like fucking hell. So many people have reached out. I've confirmed their stories. I just can't deal with this anymore. And, um, I've, I've learned, um, I had, I had the epiphany the morning of, if I was going to take it down or not. Um, because, uh, after keeping it up for a couple days, um, Forrest from, the channel who's an ex-Mormon who runs Latter-day Skeptic. He and I had a little back and forth in my comment section. And I, I don't think we've ever interacted before. And then I was surprised, but also not surprised. And then he made a whole like, I don't know, 15, 30 minute video about me on the thumbnail going ex-Mormon bully with an arrow to my face. And it said, this is why ex-Mormons get bad get a bad rap. Something like that is the title. And I was like, hmm, I, um, I wish you would have just emailed me Forrest. I was like, I would have, <laughs> I was like, you didn't have to spend all day making a video. And she'd be like, you told me like, I am going to make this video and this is going to be the thumbnail. And I don't even know the content. I'd be like, I don't need to keep it up. I, I can apologize, but it, it goes deeper than that. And I'll explain in a second. So, um, I invited, I, I, um, I want to get different perspectives from different people. And I, again, I wish that Forrest in his video, which I would call a hit piece because his whole, his whole thing was about, you know, ad hominem attacks, which I totally agree on. I have made like 10 videos on word radio, which I feel like have been very purposeful and resourceful and, um, full of the facts and the argument and, um, do not go to ad hominem. If you disagree, please link me the clip. Cause, um, I, I know that's, I know that's what, you know, the losers of other programs sometimes do. And that's not what I feel like doing and being. And I feel like I've been pretty good at arguing with the substance. And so what was ironic was then his video turned into, because it was all about like, Kara, don't do ad homonyms. That's really lame of you. And take this video down. And all of these claims are not backed up by sources. And, um, but the ironic thing was then we're getting into some trouble here because then the whole entire comment section pretty much just turned into, 
a one pony shit show on me, which again, I can handle totally can handle. Um, it just was ironic to me. And then it's like everybody who ever had anything to say about how much they hate me was like, also, did you know that she worships Satan? Also, did you know that she said this? And also be like, okay, this is now just getting out of hand because now we're saying things that aren't true. And I'm, you know what? So force said that he would take down his videos if I took down mine. And I was like, uh, it was hard because the instinct within me, which is what I want to play the John Larson clip here for a second. Um, I had to, to, to battle out my own instincts. That's how I kind of started this podcast is like, mm, I, I, I outweighed, I out, I out measured, <laughs> didn't quite think about a couple of aspects and I can I, I explain them now. Or, um, I, I emailed Forrest said, Hey, Forrest at Gmail, it's me, Kara, your favorite bully, <gasps> winky face. Listen, watch the video, thought that, um, the way you edited it really misrepresented a lot of things that I said. That's fine though. Overall, I know the video shouldn't be up and, um, did some thinking about it. Talked to some other ex-Mormon friends. Um, I just took it down. If you ever want to come on my show, we can talk about that or we can talk about anything else. So, um, I think a lot of things, like I said, can really be solved with like, just email me before you go to all the work of making that video, because it's this, I worked, I worked too hard, um, to have a, such a, such a thumbnail as that. And anything that I can do when I, I genuinely know that I did something that was out of step and out of alignment with my values and out of alignment with what I think is truly healthy for the ex-Mormon space. So I think people get the idea that I stick to my guns more than I do. I'm like very open to criticism, very open to, um, other points of view when I didn't even hold very strongly to the point of view, but here's what happened funny story. So Mackenzie Vance, who's a TikToker, a YouTuber, does a great job. Love you, Mackenzie. So she, when she was making a video a couple weeks ago about Mormon stories, losing the plot about mostly Gerardo, but she, um, talked to me and, um, we've also been working on a smaller project as well. So I know her well enough. She reaches out. She says, Hey, I know that you went to the Charlie bird sacrament meeting, Washington take sacrament. What's your statement? And this was like early on before it like really blew up. And I didn't know that she was going to use when she said like statement, I thought that she meant like, she was going to put in a quote of like, Kara said this in response of what she thinks about going to the thing. I blabber on a voice message for five minutes. <laughs> so if you've seen Mackenzie video, um, that was all just like extemporaneously speaking at midnight on like a voicemail. <laughs> and then she put it in the video. I was like, everything's fine. Mackenzie, the video's fine. I apologize. I get it. Did not think that you were just going to play me yammering for five minutes. If people want to hear me yammer, they tune into my channel anyway. And so she's a sweetheart and she's apologetic. She's like, can I change anything? And I was like, nah, mostly it's fine. I most, I might've asked her to cut out one small thing that I was like, oh, that's not what I meant. But, um, other than that, she's a sweetheart. And I know that she is like committed to, you know what? Like, I, I agree. It looks like stalking. It's, it's a fucked up thing. I get it. There's many different perspectives. I can't even tell you how many, I think more people have reached out to me to tell me that what happened with the Charlie bird thing going to his ward. I can't more parents of queer people and queer people out of the church have probably reached out to me 10 times old than the people who have harassed me about it. 
So that's what's difficult is like, thank you. I, 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 I understand to some people they're like, Kara, it's not a big deal. I was like, I, I do side on the fact of like, I do want to give like a, a full, full ass apology because <laughs> I totally understand. And Mackenzie makes a fantastic video and absolutely. Um, she, she lays out a very clear case and I think Gerardo and her talked and they, they worked things out and um, I, I don't know the entirety of that story. So the reason I'm bringing that up is because I was like, Mackenzie will tell me the real fucking deal. She'll, so I call her up at, or I asked her if she wanted to talk to me on the phone at like 8 AM the day that I took down the card in video. And she calls me up. And the first thing I said to her on the phone was, Oh no, I'm, I've gotten canceled twice in the last month, once by you. And now by Latter-day Skeptic. And she's so sweet. She's like, no, I wasn't trying to cancel you. Um, but my joke is that Latter-day Skeptic Forest, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for anybody in this space who has a differing opinion or sees things differently. Truly thank you for standing up to me or John or Gerardo or anyone. I hope that we can have offline conversations about these things and, um, come at each other with as much like understanding and empathy of like, you know, that old saying of like to, uh, listen, to be understood that whole thing, <laughs> like seek first to, um, understand then to be understood. I think that's a good principle. And, um, I think we could save ourselves a lot of time of just making content. Um, if we would have talked it out with somebody else first. So, um, I really do appreciate having people who are hard on me. I am the youngest of five kids. I was raised to do what I'm doing right now for a living to like try to get attention, be obnoxious, memorize facts to entertain people with, and also just recognize that I'm a total sack of shit sometimes. And people who are bigger and smarter than me will correct me. And that's just the way life goes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm very well suited to, um, understand my faults. And I hope that people always know that I'm, I'm fine with that and want to be held accountable all the time. Like it's why I started my nonprofit. I want to have the widest reach possible. So talked with Mackenzie on the phone for quite a while. And did I say she's a sweetheart and she's amazing enough times. And I was literally like, please stand up to me. <laughs> I was like, tell me exactly what you think. Like you saw my videos, you saw Latter-day Skeptics videos and stuff and everything. She said, I was like, yep, I can see that. Okay. Yep. You know what? And then I, uh, I had the epiphany of why I truly wanted to take them down, um, for, for 10 different reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, or at the end of the, sorry, at the end of the conversation, she said to me, because she, she and I are working on a video together that I hope that I can still make. I won't also get into the same problem I'm getting into right here where she's, she and I have been working on this video, collecting over 20 women have reached out to her and she's given me the information to, uh, that have had some alleged sexual assault interactions with another promo and podcaster named Nick sales, 20 women. And I've been in contact with a few of them to interview them and put together a video about that. And again, a lot of this stuff is going to be a, he said, she said kind of thing, but is that not what telling your story or people going on Mormon stories is? It's like, I had this experience, but it's also very litigious and, and problematic like that as well. But, um, so she has had 20 different women tell their stories to her. And, um, sometimes you just get so upset 
and frustrated and you just don't know what else to do. And so my videos about garden, um, again, I don't want to repeat the things that I said there to further spread whatever, but, um, I, I had enough people reaching out with me with unequivocal, just proof of some insane things and, uh, that he has done. And Mackenzie said something to me on the phone. She's like, I just have to have people stop telling me their story sometimes because I'm, I'm going to want to say it. And I'm going <laughs> to, I was like, that's it. I was like, I'm going to have to, to work on that tool within myself better because of the stories that I have heard and matched with the level of frustration in how just, um, the, like I said in the previous card and videos about the things that they are misrepresenting about the, the queer outcomes and experiences in the church. Um, my instinct was to say these women, they reached out to me because a lot of harm has been done in their life. Some things, so many things I couldn't even talk about. Super angry, frustrated. And I have no problem showing the 10 videos that I've already made on, on word radio points. I know that I could argue with their points with my, with my eyes closed and do it for, for years to come and years previously. I was like, let me just take a second to uh, ad hominem uh, by standing up for some women in the situation and um, things got um, misconstrued and things were said in ways that I definitely didn't intend them because I did it in such a TikTok-y way. Big mistake. Did it in a very non-serious way that I truly do take these things really seriously. But I was like, the only way I can say this is to do it in a little bit more of like a very bitchy <laughs> TikTok-y drama way. And um, for that and so many other reasons, um, I took it down. Did I explain that well enough? So anyway, shout out to Mackenzie. Shout out to anyone who's just like, Kara, I love you, but mm, no. I'll be like, sometimes I'll say I'll see. Sometimes I loved working with John at Mormon Stories because, again, he's so generous, like, to a fault. There'd be times where he'd be like, Kara, what's your opinion on this? I was like, I think we should do this. I thought it over. This is the right answer. He'd be like, I'll let you take lead because I'm, you know, making up for the patriarchy. And then five seconds later, I'd be like, wait a second, you do have more experience at this. What is your opinion? And then he said the opposite. And I'd be like, oh, of course that's the right answer. <laughs> Can't even tell you how many times I'm like, I just, I, I'm very aware that I don't know what I don't know. That is what I am aware of. And I'm learning and growing every day. So keep me accountable. You can, um, you can, uh, as long as you understand that uh, this is a safe space, I will not come at you. I think people people really think I'm a way bigger bitch, but it's like I'm a bitch towards like the LDS Church interpersonally. That's again what John what, or sorry what John Larson talks about in this. He's like people think that I'm a bigger bully than I am because if like you're in the church and I'm like attacking the church. Um, you're just like, I'm attacking your whole identity. I hate you and I hate people and I'm just filled with hate. Like, did I not mention that I live my life with comedy? Like, literally, I walk around in a Willy Wonka factory of just jokes and riffs flying all over the place 
and understanding that I'm also a total piece of shit, just like you, me, and we all have God within us. And also we're also Satan incarnate at the same time. We're all a bunch of bunch of bags of a lot of stuff doing our best. So, all right, enough of John Larson's adorable face here. I wanted to play this clip because like I said, I had this epiphany when I realized I need to take down those videos with Mackenzie. And then I watched this John Larson video right afterwards. And I was like, that's it. That's it. Hey, if you guys want to help um, pay for this, I'd be more than welcome. Well, I, I'm not throw those guys under the bus, but none of them paid anything. So, so I, I'd purchased the domain. I'd purchased the equipment. I'd purchased the, and set up the website. And then if you listen to the web show, if you think about it as we were each supposed to take turns, um, you know, that fell apart pretty quickly. Uh, those guys stayed on and uh, many of them I've lost touch with, I think most everyone uh, will talk every, every year or two, but um, they remain good friends. Um, but the, doing the heavy lifting of Mormon expression is kind of not their thing. Um, and I don't, I don't hold any, there's no, there's no, there's no incrimination there. It's just, it's just how it grew. But, um, what happened is it quickly pulled me in both in terms of work and in terms of listenership, we started growing like crazy. Uh, we clearly were scratching an itch and, um, uh, it was, um, I discovered a, a whole world that I had not encountered. It was lonely and painful for me to leave the church. Um, and the, the fissures with my family and with Zilpha's family were particularly painful, but I had not faced down the ecclesiastical abuse that, um, others had or the, um, the, so I'm going to pause it there for a second. Cause again, John Larson's my spirit animal. I hope he's your spirit animal too. But the reason he is for me is he's, he's describing this idea of when, you know, you go through a faith crisis or you get really into the history. And for me. I love two things so much. I love comedy and I love history. And when I decided what I wanted to start my my nonprofit and I wanted to have a full set apart podcast, I wanted it to be called the Mormon History Hoedown because I wanted to do lots of topics, but always come back to history. And I love satirizing history and and concepts and doctrinal changes and douchebags throughout history, all kinds of stuff. And so you need to understand that, like for me, I went from like a stand-up comedy background. And with my husband and so forth, having kids, just nannying, just always, you know, it's on the periphery for a very long time. I have my kids and I just jump into TikTok and satirizing the church right into it. And then from that, like I've mentioned, into working at Mormon Stories and what I was not aware of up until literally I realized with the Cardin video is that I am in just like with the church. Okay. I'm not going to, I don't want to lose you here. Okay. I had, I had a fine time in the church. I think the church is people think that, you know, the only reason I make this content is because I'm like deeply angry at the church. I make this content because it doesn't hurt me to make it like people can't hurt me because what they say isn't true. And I know it isn't true because I, I had a good time in the church. I can be nuanced about the things that it brings. Um, I can, I can listen to people's stories and, and I, I can do this work without it feeling like it just sucks my, my soul away because I'm just like one of those ex-Mormons who's still obsessed with the church. I have, I have, haven't always in the past, but I do feel like I have um, pretty healthy boundaries with a lot of things. Now here's, here's the difference. Um, then 
just wanting to express myself in a satirical, funny way on TikTok as I did, then moving into Mormon stories, I did not realize up until John Larson said this, and after I had that conversation with Mackenzie last week, that I went, holy shit, I have not processed how much of other people's stories and trauma I'm holding. Cause I have at certain points and that's the thing. It's like, sometimes you think, you know, but you don't know until you don't. I was went, <gasps> because again, the things that, um, some women were telling me about Cardin, for example, or like working on this video about Nick sales. Um, I am a person, hopefully just like you who just bops around life trying to be a listening, empathetic person who makes jokes and is interested and curious about the world and wants to show up and hold space for people and doesn't have a degree in like therapy with people and knowing how to be like, well, I heard the worst traumas of your life that day. Boop, 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 on my way home, gonna go make spaghetti for my kids. I'm going home and I'm, I, my brain is, is shot, you know, from Mormon stories in so many ways. Um, and like the Rod Meldrum one, that's the least of like my caring. <laughs> it was more the reason I left Mormon stories. That one had more to do with like, just, I just was going through a cycle with John and I just was sick of being in trouble and he deserves, I deserve to get in trouble. Cause I also am an idiot sometimes. I was like, I just don't, I don't, I'm not good at this. I want to leave. Um, but, but times in which it's really hard, like Britton Lang's story, I've made a, a YouTube video, um, of like my top five Mormon stories episodes that wreck me the hardest. And I always come back to Britton Lang. It's a missionary who's so gay and depressed, couldn't carry a same sex attraction on his mission, tried everything. And just his story about begging to be sent home from his mission um, and telling his president that he was going to throw himself off the balcony of his apartment in um, Brazil. Like that's like my day job for a person who does not have training to really be able to compartmentalize a lot of stuff. And so here's what happens. Similar to John Larson's what he's describing here. I got into this because so much Mormon stuff I didn't learn about. Did you hear they did this? And this historical thing, this is fascinating. I love this niche. I, I love helping people learn about history and describe it my own way. I love researching my little things and presenting it. What I have, what I was not ready for was how much of other people's stories um, impact me. So I have like a, a, a messages on my Instagram that I try to check, but I'm pretty much have given up. I've been doing this for three years now. I think I've probably given up checking my Instagram folders now, unless you're already like in the club of people I've already like accepted. Um, because there is just such an outpouring of so many things. And I don't want to go into like, reading a message until I know that I can actually hold space for it. And so sometimes I know myself well enough to be like, I can't read that. I can't go in and into this, you know, thing and people deserve to have their stories heard. And, um, if I'm that person for some people, it's like, and you don't have anyone else to tell, like, I, I want to be able to read that and respond to you or give you resources, but it's, it's a lot a lot of people. And so what I'm saying is the amount of numbers of people who are in just very traumatized spaces, um, I wasn't prepared for that. Like I left the church because it wasn't true, not because I had a bad time. Then you get into doing this to satirize the church and say, isn't this all funny stuff that we never knew to then be confronted with how much harm and trauma it is. And that's what, um, what John, John Larson articulates here for, for a minute. And 
let me let me finish the, what I what I had to play, and then and then I'll talk some more. Breaking up of, of marriage, we we stayed we stayed together through this time, and as I started reaching out with the community and with the podcast, I just discovered this whole world of pain, and that world of pain. It didn't take long before it started getting me angry. Um, I I think I might come across as a bully, but what I am is I'm like an anti-bully. And um, I bullying makes me really mad. Um, I get a, a, a defensive of the underdog. And I think that spirit um, kind of inhabited me through the podcast. And there is a very strident, striking almost vitriolic tone that I, that I oftentimes take in, in the, in the podcast, which is. Yeah. So you can tell what, what John's talking about here, right? I don't need to re-explain it, right? Like you get into this for one reason and then people tell you their stories and that sticks with you of, and drives you um, because it just feels like you've now got a caravan behind you of just like, I know so much bullshit right now. And if you're going to, fuck with me and tell me that like the outcomes for LGBTQ people are just like across the board emphatically fantastic. And everyone does better when they're in the LDS church. It's like, I can handle 99% of bullshit that it comes out of Mormon's mouths. But I was like, that is so fucking dangerous. Um, my little, um, my little backpack of Britton Lang's story and, uh, Matt Easton story and like name 55,000 other stories that I've heard of queer people. I was like, even if you want to say this data is motherfucking split, even if you wanted to say it's a toss up, you need to tread so freaking carefully ward radio on how you talk about those things. Cause people's lives are so on the line. So goddamn on the line. Yes. So the, what John Larson's articulating here was just like, you know, I, I, uh, really hope people understand where my heart is coming from is just, I have heard and seen too much bullshit things that I didn't experience. So that's, it helps me compartmentalize it. Um, but I just went from comedian to podcaster to like in an activist space now and hearing some of the things that I heard about garden, knowing that like these women can never say these things, but at least putting a, 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 a video out there in, in my best of intentions in some ways to be like, um, Carden, everybody knows <laughs> and the word has gotten around. You've yapped too much about this. It's gotten back to your enemies, but ultimately, um, I don't want to be a bully. Absolutely. And, um, I completely understand trust me, understand the perspective of like, Kara, you're sinking to their level because of this and this and this. And I think an argument can be made against that. But ultimately at the end of the day, um, as I was thinking about my intentions of where I started from posting that video to why I was taking it down, um, overall, I'm a girl's girl. I'm a girl's girl, love girls. And my heart went out to the women that have been affected by his behavior. And my heart went out to his wife. And um, Nothing in what I presented made her life or their life any better or easier. And um, whatever the the energetic equation was, I want to set back in balance and absolutely apologize for making those videos and posting those. And um, it's it's ironic 
And it's weird that Kwaku, during that exact same time, he also wanted to reach out and um, do a collab with me. So I was planning on saying this and talking about this in my video with Kwaku yesterday. But here it is today that um, I try to see people as products of all of their their whole genetics and their conditioning. And I don't know what all goes into the recipe of making somebody the complete package of what they are. And um, overall, we're, we're all in, like John Larson talks about, what feels like this war that really isn't that big of a deal um, in terms of like sides. I can sit down with Kwaku and I'm sure we would have a pleasant conversation and talk about things that have nothing to do with the church and, and have a pleasant conversation and be buds on those things. Um, it's when people, you know, really get like righteous indignation about something and um, overall learned, learned some lessons and um, have no problem making sure that wherever the Ellis family is out there um, to just apologize and hope that um, they just can ignore me because they weren't, they weren't upset about anything I've ever said before when I'm talking about the truth claims of the church. It's just too personal about their lives. And uh, that is crossing the line and I get it. So don't definitely don't want to be a bully and want to set the energy back in balance. And it just is hard when people tell me too many things. <laughs> kind of um, different from how I engage the rest of my life and the rest of the world. And it's been one of my um, complaints or one of my uh, worst parts about the podcast is I don't really like the, what it brings out in me. But I know that that voice of rage that voice of anger that I feel when I'm confronting this material speaks to a lot of people. So I've, I've kept it up. Um, the podcast was mostly a positive experience. It went from two. So yeah, I just want to end it there that um, again, people, it's really easy for like pro Mormons and things to, to pin ex Mormons like me and John Larson and people in our ilk as just, you know, they're so obsessed with the church. They won't let it go because they know that it's true and stuff. And just like John Larson just said, I'm like, I got kids. I could be doing a lot of things. And overall, you know, he felt like he was scratching an itch with his content and the way he explains things. Um, if people ever tell me to go away and I'm not of use <laughs> in this space and I am more of a problem than um, it's worth any of our time, I would totally be like, Probably like I can go do other things, but if I see that I'm scratching an itch and the, the response that I get, you guys, I'm, I'm, I hope that you understand I am, um, trying to strike a healthy balance with, um, criticizing myself and how I go about this space. So if, if I am at all reaching the right ears right now to explain that, like, if I am not scratching that itch and stuff, I would I, I want to make sure that I always engage with the subjects with Mormonism and speak on them in a way that is the most beneficial to the most people, you know, within what my talents are coming from a comedy background in ways that other people will do other ways of performing their, their podcasts and explaining things in ways that will speak to one audience. And I'll do it in a way that speaks to another audience. And I, I, I don't feel any, you know, 
strong draw that I have to be super like buttoned up like one podcaster or I have to be like one other one. I like, I like overall what I do and I like that um I have what I feel like is um a really awesome fan base and donor base and people who get me and just want to keep on that. But if that ever changes, you know what? It's like I could do a John Larson, be like just never think about Mormonism again. I just what I what I love about this space is I was trying to think of when I was writing down my tangential notes of why I don't give up um, is I think, again, there's the same things that are it's in, in Mormonism, but you got to be careful here. I'm going to give you a real insight into how my brain works is you don't want to feel like you are a savior where you're responsible for saving people. Um, that's too much of how Mormonism operates where it's like, you need to preach them the gospel. You have the truth. You need to give it to them. I've always tried to walk really fine line to really be careful where I don't give up too much of myself to be like, if I, if I, if I'm not in this space, then I, no one's going to get help or whatever. I'm obviously there's a million creators and people that can t talk you through different aspects of your faith crisis. Um, I just know that a lot of different buffet voices at the counter um, helped me when I deconstructed. And I only really understood, I only listened to things that were like Bill Real and Zelf on the Shelf when I was deconstructing mostly. <laughs> and um, I, I understand that uh, different strokes for different folks, but overall, I love all of the other content creators in this field. And um, except for one named, new name Noah. So I always get asked about him all the time, but you can't talk about him because then he tries to ruin your life. So even me saying that right now, it's... It's crazy. That's also funny because when I was messaging with Forrest, I knew this, I knew what his reply would be to this, but I still felt like saying it still felt like if I'm going to take a, told him, I was like, Forrest, I'm going to take a big L on this. I'm taking down the video. I get it. Don't like the way you edited that, but whatever, it's fine. Thought it was a little bit too clickbaity. We all suffer from the disease of clickbait. That's fine. But if you're going to say that this girl is what's bad for the experiment space and you're, anyone's gonna make a video about who's bad for the ex-mormon space i got one name for you i got one new name for you got anyway and i pointed that out he's like yeah but um i don't i don't look up to him and i look up to you karen i was like oh shucks all right he's like you're better than that karen i was like yeah you're right i'll shucks he's not better than that yeah i know <laughs> i love feedback because i think this is i think this is really interesting because the next section i'm going to get into is reading hate mail from the word radio audience about me and before I do that, I tell me what you think of this story. Okay. I don't think I've ever told the story publicly. So when I was new getting on TikTok, it felt like a renaissance personally, <laughs> like, like late 2020, 2021. It was just to me, this birth of ex-Mormon TikTok, so many people connecting. That's where I went from like no friends to just suddenly more friends than I know what to do with in real life and online. It was an amazing time. And I think maybe John or somebody, somebody created like a, a Facebook messaging group for as many of the ex-women TikTokers to all talk to each other and actually interact with each other. And that's where we really got to know what the fuck was up. <laughs> so to me at this time, I didn't know a whole lot about the ex-Mormon space, which is funny to think back now. Like when I started on TikTok, I 
listened to Mormon stories and John DeLynn only when he had on historians or some kind of expert. I didn't like listen to the stories. Like I, John wasn't like that instrumental in like my deconstruction. It was like more later on. And so I knew John DeLynn is a big deal and stuff. And then also in my mind, I just knew like Mike Norton and new name Noah. And I knew that he was responsible for making those hidden camera temple videos. And so like, in my mind, they were both like the two biggest guys. Bill real is still like my King as well. Bill real. Bill Real, I talk about him and I cry because he helped deconvert me so thoroughly when things didn't make sense. It was, it was the, it's okay, Kara. Does it make sense yet? And I go, oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. Just day after day with podcast, like Bill's, Bill's my man. So, but besides Bill, um, it was just like these two guys that I just generally know have done a lot of stuff in the space. And so I came into the perspective of like, these are people to look up to and they will have like sane opinions. John DeLynn, most part, yes. <laughs> Love John. Um, and I was quickly, um, you know, dissuaded from that with, with Mike Norton. And so I can't, I can't, there's, there is a novel of history that has happened in the Mormon community about him. And I can't talk about it because use your imagination. But what's funny is Things started off really slow before it all took off. This is where Quaker comes into this picture. This is where I want, I want you guys, I want your guys' feedback on this because I think this is interesting. So as much as, you know, ex-Mormons can be accused of by Mormons of just being the shittiest people in so many different arenas. I, I, I think, I think Quaker's points on a lot of things are just wrong and I don't agree with them, but here's the difference is I think that ex-Mormons, I saw their true colors in this Facebook, it was a, it was like dozens of us, dozens of people. And Mike Norton just like ruthlessly would go after Kwaku on calling him gay and then calling him like Quacko or something. So if you need any unequivocal ex-Mormon to just come out and denounce, do not call anybody gay. That's just stupid. It's just immature. It's just lame. It's homophobic. Don't be like that. And everyone was like, why are you calling him gay? If he hasn't said he's gay, don't call him gay. You're talking to the wrong crowd over here. And then second, if somebody has a name, maybe it's get some type of ethnic diverse background, just say their name. Don't make fun of their name. <laughs> so all of us in this group were like, can you stop doing that, Mike? That's not cool. And like, he'd keep doing it. And I, I cannot stress enough how that is just a pattern in what, what happened to many, many different blowups of like, can you stop doing that? That's problematic as, as us, you know, woke liberals would say, and he would knock it off. And I always felt like, even if like ex-Mormons and Mormons, like, even if we disagree on things, I was like, it started like that literal, what I just told you started the like people picking their sides and just shit going down like you would not believe. That's probably still going on right now. But um, but I was like, it's really interesting watching people pick their sides. And even the ex-Mormons are like, at the end of the day, I we, they, we will fight Mike Norton, who is super sane and never done anything crazy in his life. Ex-Mormons were like, 
standing up for Kwaku, like that was the first line in the sand was like over somebody who hates our guts. And we don't care if he hates our guts because it's wrong to be that homophobic and stupid. And it's also wrong to make fun of people's names. And it was just like an indicator of other things to come. That makes sense. So um, can, can I call him incel? Can I call him a virgin? <laughs> I just, here's the thing. I'm going to have him on my podcast and I, I don't think it's good to really call anybody names about anything. Like if you watch my video on the Jubilee thing, I feel like mostly, I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like in my mind, ways that I was trying to talk about Kwaku, Carden, overall, Timber, was like deconstructing their arguments and what I think their like worldview is and how they operate. And, you know, if I want to throw in a quick punch of just like other things, I might do that here or there. But generally, I think we should stay away from it. I think we should just like let people be in the sexuality that they're in and just talk about the substance overall. And if I am being a hypocrite right now and you're like, Kara, here's 60 minutes of you doing that. I actually truly, did I not already say, literally tell me and I will be like, never mind. I forgot about that. <laughs> but I just know for a fact that the church is false and I don't need to like, I don't need to make fun of its pro LDS podcasters in such low hanging fruit ways. It's, I grew up in stand-up comedy and um, it's, I know what a hack comedian looks like. And I really try to stay away from that. Um, it's, I, I have a comedy standard and a intellectual standard that I try to go by and uh, will the people who are still tuning in for Ward radio just laugh at that. But facts, facts remain. The LDS church is false. I believe it is. I know it's false. It's my whole heart. Does it help some people? Does it help me in my life? Yes. I'm the nuance. I get it. But at the end of the day, I don't need to do low hanging fruit, making fun of people's looks and stuff. But that is what pro LDS people often have to do. Okay. Now we're getting into Kwaku coming on my podcast. Because I, again, if I want people to come on my podcast, I would feel, I would feel sad. If I, Kwaku, let's say he comes all the way out to my studio, sits across from me, and I we have a very nuanced bridge-building conversation, and we just forget everything anyone we have said about each other in the past, and it's just about what we can agree on as a Mormon to ex-Mormon, what our beliefs are, and just stop any kind of dehumanizing talk. That would be my baseline ideal. It would just make me personally sad if my comment section was like, all right, well, that's a gay incel who sucks and is stupid and I hate his face. Like, I'd be like, guys, let's talk about the substance of the arguments. I would feel like I failed as a creator if that's what my comment section was. But that's how you know. <laughs> Side note, so much of, of Mormonism and the only tactics that it has is it attracts just like some of the, like the low life scummiest arguments, which we'll get into in here in a second. Carly's here. Carly said I had to leave because Mike Norton was so terrible. Are you talking about the, are you talking about the group? He was being super racist and misogynistic. See, Carly backs me up. Uh, if you remember, you were in that group chat. 
so I have a whole other story in history, a whole my side of the story with um, Mike Norton stuff. He's tried to make some videos about me. I have the juiciest stories if anyone gave a fuck. And I don't because I think everyone already knows. It's like, it's like Cardin. It's like, you don't need to tell us anything else. <laughs> Be like, I don't need to waste one more second getting the vitriol from somebody else and adding that drama into my life. I am going to try to do no getting myself in trouble from here on out. The only thing I'm in trouble is making my live streams too long and tangential, which I told you you were going to accept at the beginning of this. Um, So now I want to show where, so Kwaku asked if he could, you know, do a collab with me a couple weeks ago. If you remember my Jubilee video at the end of his, the Ward Radio Jubilee video, they were, Quake was like, I want to have another conversation like this for like four hours. And he's like, Nuance Ho, invite me over. And Cardin's like, invite her. Yeah, she invites you over to her guest bedroom that she records from. And the only thing that I will repeat from my videos of Cardin's that I took down will be, Cardin, you record from your garage. I don't think you should be throwing shade on my very well-lit, gorgeous studio. All right. People in glass houses, so forth. Now, anyway, he said that, and I was like, didn't give him much thought. Mm, and the, then, yeah, yeah. That was, but um, has had a lot of interesting opinions um, as of late. And um, I, he, he put out a tweet where he said, like, no one's Ho and John Dolan. They don't even know me. I'm more liberal than all of them. And I was like, literally, I will talk to anyone. Sometimes when people leave comments in my comment section, sometimes I'm like, literally, I will hop on a, a video call with you right now and very kindly debate you because I will talk to anybody. Like, I'm not afraid of anything. And also, I love when I learn things. I'm a naturally curious person. I want to get to know people. I like being proven wrong. I like when my mind changes and I like going, Oh, I didn't see that. And now I see that. And now I'm connecting with another human being. What could go wrong? Um, I just want to understand. I just want to feel understood, you know, share stories. My special light went out. I have to go get a new one. Everyone's going to leave. Oh no. I really like when that light is on one second. Don't you guys go anywhere. Also, you're going to see my cute outfit. Seamless. Anyway. Um, so point being, he reached out right in the middle of all that cardin debacle last week. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, here we are DMing. Quaku. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Um, oh, let's address the elephant in the room. Um, so Cardin probably wants to kill me right now. And he's, I don't know. I don't know if what Quaku said is true, but I try to give people a best faith interpretation and believe them on their word and put up barriers and protect myself otherwise. And he said, Cardin's fine. He's worried about his kids. His mom died. Very sorry to hear that. You know, just like, he's fine. Let's you and me talk here. And I was like, okay. And again, on my indulgent train that I'm going to be going on right now, when he tweeted out to his audience that we would have a chat, I I retweeted this because I had two glasses of wine on a drunk, on, on an empty stomach. And I felt like tweeting this to be silly. <laughs> my pronunciation, you got to read this. This is, this is, this is what I replied to retweet him. And I said, me as a bridge troll together, you and I will cast a pot of depth with insights vast, a journey to where thoughts roam free to cross the bridge. Answer me these questions three. 
And then everyone was like, Kara, that really went on. I you just kept going and going. And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> uh, did you not hear the part about the empty stomach and two glasses of wine and me wanting to like address Kwaku with like making it as silly, silly as possible? She's like non-threatening. I was like, I'll have to do it in limerick form. In my dwelling will capture sound, but ponder this before you're bound. Do you intend a darker plot? When peace and love are all that's sought, answer true what lies in store when you step through my open door. In realms where our paths might cross, a query lies deep and can't be glossed. How could a meeting ever be in circles where disdain runs free? If camaraderie among your kin feels to me a better sin. Is there a bridge for us to tread or is our cast filled with dread? And further tangled by the scorn from your fans a label worn. The unnuanced whore they jeer and call, erecting twixt us a divisive wall. What hope for unity or peace when such epithets do not cease? By harsh words and harsher views, leaving us to only lose. In worlds where suspicions collide, a question dark and deep resides. Is your form but a vessel sly, a Trojan horse where dangers lie? Within does card and plot and scheme to end my days, so it would seem. Is it you or is it he that plans the end of me to be? And it got just absolutely no real Oscars or no nobody came calling to put this on any kind of platform or turn it into a book or anything. But I thought, I thought it really told the story of what I've been going through as a bridge troll. I thought it was great. Anyway, so that's what I got. Anyway, so that's where we're we're planning. I'm I'm I Quigu has my address. Just if my house gets egged, I will have some questions. But um I I'm a risk taker. And I am interested to see, I would love to do more collaborations. Again, I am not the bitch people think I am. I made a response video a long time ago to Jared Halverson and I tore his argument apart. I am very proud of that video. And then he saw it and he said, you know what? Like, instead of, if people thought I was like, just like an ad hominem bitch, like I'm <laughs> told that I am, I'm friends with more Mormons and apologists than you would think. And him and I went out to lunch and we had a fantastic talk for three hours and just like shared and cared and had a great time. Like, do you think a girl like me who literally runs her life on like, I just want to see your perspective and also laugh with you. Do you think that I'm really that big of a bitch? Do you, or is it, I, I, I just want to have good conversations with people, even if I disagree with them because um, I learned a lot. And also that's how I was helped in my deconstruction is hearing a lot of different perspectives. Did I mention I was an anti-feminist conservative on Twitter until I listened to a lot of different perspectives of, you know, debates of people talking about ideas. And I said, hmm, never thought of it that way. You know what? And if somebody converts to Mormonism, cause I had Quaker on, so be it. I'm that uh, they call me la they call me the unnuanced whore, and I laughed. <laughs> My husband laughed. I was like, I already called myself nuance hoe, and like you can't you can't call me the unnuanced whore without me going like, I already gave you the joke. Like <laughs> in my mind, I'm so nuanced that you can call me a whore, and I can go. Probably in some respect to you, I am like, I already told myself a hoe. And then you're just like, well, you stupid cum slut of a dumpster skank bag. <laughs> anyway, 
Latter-day Pup said uh, about that Latter-day Skeptic thing. Any, so this is what I mean by like, now we're just like getting into a shit on Kara show over here. Um, cause Latter-day Skeptic, he hates Garden. He doesn't like any of these people. I'm, I'm assuming he, but anyway, in this, this Ward Radio fan said, any problems I have with Latter-day Skeptic aside, my respect for him went up exponentially when he raked nuance over the coals for her recent behavior and then posted the, this is why ex-Mormons get a bad reputation. And, and then somebody wrote over here. She even tried to infiltrate our server. Even she got banned pretty dang quickly. And I, I just couldn't wait to see. I'm, I'm more methodical than um, you might think that I am. I'm quite aware. I do things for the plot. I do things for the story. When I know that I was going to go on the server. Um, yeah, I could have changed my name. I could have changed my profile picture. But what's the funniest way to go on the server to see what people are saying? What's the funniest way to do it? I called myself incognito hilarious perfect amazing it was a match it's it screams for me to just leave my picture and keep that as my name so you can't i'm just i'm gonna stick up for my my lack of feelings for a second <laughs> i'm like you like so anyway we're gonna we're gonna go for a deep dive into the word radio server discord for a second and um yeah, people said I put the name incognito. She didn't even try because that's funny. So if you I, I like getting feedback in a way from what how how Mormons of the, of the word radio elk at least perceive me. I think it's really interesting because not once have they ever really understood how to engage in a good faith argument, nor um, hey, wait, the nuance will take that back. From what I have seen, it is generally my understanding. I have not seen anything as related to serious topics, me or John or how any of ex-Mormons are perceived with anything but just straight up vitriol. That's that's how I'll put that. It's pretty much a John Dillon shit show in there. And every other every every once in a while, they'll, they'll pepper in something about me. But um, every other content creator, you guys are off scot-free except for one other one. <laughs> I, I, I searched different people's names and it's mostly John and mostly me. So I was quite aware that I would get kicked out immediately. So I screenshotted the shit out of that. And I also have another backup one. So try to kick me out now. You, you don't know who I am. Um, but it's, it's again, I think it's obvious. I don't even need to say it. This says more about, you know, other people's audiences than it does me. I just am here. Cause I think this is funny. And also I can, I can, I can take criticism and um, let's see, let's see what else they have to say. So then they, they really like to, to call me um, Dobby, the house elf or Dobby, the house whore. You know, it's not super creative and I'll get to that in a second, but I, I, I'm not here to, I'm not here to defend that. I'm like the best looking person in the world. You know what? Most of this hair does. It distracts you from how non-traditionally standard like American beauty standard, my nose is. So I'm very well aware. It's not, it's not been lost on me that I'm not like the pristine thing. Um, uh, really made peace with it. Really happy with my looks overall. It's, it's not bad being me. I don't wake up sad about how I look. So it's overall, I got a good life. Um, then same time. Did you just say that? Like, I just am angry and <laughs> like a very mentally ill person. And I use comedy to like with, for my mental problems. And I was like, 
what else would I use? <laughs> I was like, even if I met you at like, I'm a psychopath, what, what, what would you suggest? The church? Well, that's not, I'm not going to choose that. Like, do you not know stand-up comedians? I, I don't call myself a stand-up comedian anymore, but friends with a lot of stand-up comedians, stand-up comedians, the people everybody looks up to that people worship like gods are the most absolutely for the most part, batshit crazy people who are dealing with insane things through comedy. And that is why they're so goddamn funny because they have such tortured souls the majority of the time. Just that's what makes them so funny. I have not been tortured enough to be that funny as a stand-up. That's why I don't have a Netflix special, I guess. But I'm like, do we not all have some psychological problems? You guys are in the Ward Radio Discord. You're not doing so well, I'm thinking. Uh, then let's see. Okay. And then the other thing I tweeted this week that made me laugh because they call me Dobby, the, the nuance house elf whore, something like that. And, um, I'm very flattered whenever somebody says you look like this content creator of some kind, I am very aware anybody out there, um, ladies, I'm talking to you when you have no makeup on and you look like a raggedy ass, like just crack house looking whore in your house by yourself and you're like I would literally murder an intruder right now just so they didn't have to see what I look like I am hopefully aware <laughs> at what uh, all this makeup and hair and in my worst angles what I look like and I really got to say that they, na- they they nailed it on the Dobby one I'm like they're like once you see it you can't unsee it and her nose is so big and I'm like you know what? It's really kind when when the when the ex Mormons point out, Kara, you look like these women, and I say, those are some gorgeous women. Fantastic. Still got to go with the Mormons on this one. <laughs> so I tweeted, these are the three women in one house elf. I've been told I look like Mormons get a lot of stuff wrong, and Exmos get a lot right. But I gotta hand it to Mormons on the Dobby burn. No notes. Hope you heal so deeply that you no longer feel the need to make sense of what happened things are just fucked up. And then I said, I wish I had a picture of this, but I did my favorite other epiphany. I just love realizing things and just being like a new moto operate by until I learn something new. Everything that I've learned since leaving the church, truth be told is like, and from doing mushrooms is everybody has their maze of, you know, things from their childhood and things that they need to go hack through their own type of overgrown maze. They got to get out there machetes. You got a maze right in front of you. It's overgrown. Get to work. You got to walk through this thing. If you want to get through life, go at it. And we spend so much time thinking about other people's problems and why the fuck they do other people do other the things that they do and armchair psychologize other people. And that's just like mean girl, Regina George gossipy bullshit that I have engaged in. And I don't really like engaging in, and I don't want to spend my life thinking about what other people's problems are and why they are the way that they are. When all I know is like, just, I have my maze in front of me and, uh, you just work on your maze, hack through it and then boundary up. Cause if you already know that, like, I see that maze over there and it is overgrown. I don't need to talk about the length of the vines and the rats crawling through it. I don't give a shit. I got, I got shit to clean up in my own. Now, I'm going to sound like a huge hypocrite in a million different ways. Also, I contain multitudes, and I'm also a hypocrite in, in all of that, too. <laughs> but truth be told, my truest, sincerest hope and wish is that all of us are so healed by things that we're just focusing on what made us the way that we are, how we interact 
with the people around us, get hacking at our maze, make our way through it. And then everybody else in our life, people are going to be hacking or non-hacking at their mazes at different levels. And once you know that that's not the ways that your life will be going well, if they're, you're in relationships with people who aren't hacking at their ways, their mazes, you got a boundary up. And that's a whole other discussion of how to do that. that Mormons don't always know. Ex-Mormons don't always know. That's what I say. Last but not least, um, I will be going on a trip somewhere. We're going to figure it out. It's either going to be Costa Rica, Portugal, or Greece. So I have a link in my link tree down in my description right now. Thank you, everybody who answered it. Please do come with me. I did have a little trepidation. Trepid, trepidation. <laughs> I should say, um, about doing this while knowing that I was going to be gone all summer. And overall, I hope everyone's fine with that. I literally am pretty much planning on being MIA, like I said, for solid 10 weeks. But never fear if you do end up booking this trip with me. It's going to be so much fun. I do think I'm a fun person to travel with. I do think we're going to have a great time. I promise that I am crossing all my T's and dotting all my I's to make sure that everything is super legit with Trova Trip. Do not scam any of my followers, even a nickel. I want to make sure it's the best trip ever. So we're either going to go late, late August, early September, I'm hoping something around there. So save up your nickels to uh, come on a trip with me to um, one of those places. Appreciate everybody for Anyone who's donated, anyone who's watched, anyone who's joined the channel, subscribed. Um, I've got a couple other things that I'm rolling out, like I said, with lots of different content. And I will um, just try to scale it back a little bit because I got to spend more time with my kids and rev up to go to camp. So if you don't like me, you know what? I don't like a lot of myself either, but um, I love myself through the cringe that I also don't like. And I think life is all about just, you know what? Do things before you're ready and then carve out enough space within yourself to be like, Kara, you, 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 you did it. But also I love you, sweet baby angel. You did it incorrectly, but it's okay because we can just share and care here in our heart because there's no should here. There's no shame. We just do better and apologize and make amends and everything will be fine. That's what we do because we believe in... I was going to sing a church song and I loved it. We are as the armies of Helaman. I'll go out with singing my son's second favorite bedtime song, which he wants a Mario song. Then he always wants a Luigi song. And the Luigi song goes, we are as the Luigi's of Mario. We know that we're second best. I just like the idea of like an army of Luigi's who are just like, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> the Mario song though. Nobody would watch it. No one would care. But one of these days I'm going to watch it. I'm going to make a video just for me because my Mario Kart song, that's, that's where my talent is. Everything else you've seen of me has all been a facade. It's all been leading up to combining Mormon music to make songs for my children's bedtime songs. That's my biggest talent. But I made it into a TikTok very early on in my career. And everyone said, very nice, Kara. But one person said, Kara, we do not listen to you for your funny songs that you sing your kids that have Mormon tunes. We, we listen to you because 
you fuck up the Mormon church. And I said, you're right. What am I doing being adorable and motherly? I'll go back to full circle. (laughs) All right. I'm leaving you. You guys know where the links are for following and doing all the things that you love to do. I love you guys. I'm really appreciative to be doing this. So happy. Going to spend the night with my kids and my lovely husband and be staying out of trouble. Talk to you later. 